Good afternoon, guys. Welcome back to my podcast. You are listening to The Real Talk. Uh, I have with me today both Cindy and Allie. Today's date is February 5th, 2023, but uh, I really want to thank you both for being here. So uh, yeah, I guess we'll just uh, start off with uh, some intros. So um, if you just want to start with uh, your name, I guess what you do for a living and a little bit more about you. Cindy, do you want to start first? Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, So my name is Cindy Fox. Uh, What I do for a living isn't super exciting, but um, the thing I'm most passionate about is definitely my uh, TikTok Talks with Fox. I talk about relationship issues um, and as well as healing uh, growth, just base it around that. Um, I think they're important topics and it's definitely something that people are passionate about, have a lot of experience with, and I hope to eventually lead that into life coaching uh, or slash relationship coaching. So we'll see. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That, yeah. That sounds really good. The, um, yeah, I, I want to say guys, I've, I've seen Cindy's, uh, TikToks before, you know, it's definitely filled with a lot of good and very solid substance and everything. And, you know, and she kills it on there. She really does. Thank, thank you. So, yeah. <laughs> So what about you, Allie? So my name's Alexandra, or Allie the Agent. Um, I do a few different things in real estate. Um, I'm a veteran. Okay, awesome. So yeah, first of all, thank you for your service. How long have you um, have you been uh, in the military? Um, 2015 to 2019. Okay, awesome. And are you in the active, uh, I guess, active reserves right no, now? I'm no, I'm just retired. Okay, Yeah. awesome. Yeah, so yeah, I have a friend at work who you know, just works, uh, I guess full time daily, but he often has to sometimes like at the drop of a hat has to go to like California or wherever. Yeah. And he's just like, Hey, I gotta go. And I was just like, I, a lot of times I think it's just for, you know, some vacation or something like that. And then he comes back and I was like, Hey, how was your time off? He goes, mm, wasn't really that eventful. I was like, what'd you do? And he was just like, Oh, they, they had us training on some new equipment out in California. I was like, well, at least you got to go out to California. Cause you know, we all know, you know, Del- Delaware is not bad, but we can all admit it's, you know, it's Delaware. Exactly. So yeah, are, are we all from Delaware here? Or is- I'm from New York. I'm from okay. Staten Island. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So, so you're actually from a, 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 a fun place, if you will. So yeah. Yeah. It, okay. It's eventful. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So she, she knows she fully admits it. She's like, yeah. So but what about you? Germany. Germany. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. that. Born and raised for the most part. I mean, I've been in Delaware for quite some time. I ventured off to Virginia Beach for a little bit, but mainly Delaware. I I know a lot of people hate it, but I like being close to the city and the beach, like drivable distance. Yeah. So I do miss Germany, though. That will always be home. Okay. Me. Awesome. Wow. So wait, what part of Germany? Koblenz. Uh, southern part. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Wow. For anyone that doesn't know their cities in Germany. It's it's the southern part closer to Austria. Okay. All right. Because I went to, so I was in Germany, what, almost four years ago. So, and I went to Hamburg and Berlin. So, okay. So you were, okay. So that would be north of where I'm from. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. So, so wait, when, when did you, uh, come to the United States? High school. High school. Okay. Awesome. Wow. Yes. Dad was military, so we oh, moved okay. around. Gotcha. Okay. But yeah. luckily, because my mom is originally German, so we got to stay there for quite some time. He got some extensions. We got to be out there for a good chunk of my life, which was amazing because yeah. I, I did have family there. So I got to appreciate that and still have family there. So it's easy when I want to travel back, just stay with family. Right. Okay. 
Awesome. Yeah. Cause I know a lot of Americans, they, they all try to get to Europe yes. and everything that that's the go-to place. Everything is you to just go to Europe, go to Europe <laughs> and, and, uh, stuff. I've been to a few other places around the world other than just Europe, but yeah. So, but you know, Germany was definitely, it was a lot of fun and it was most definitely, they, they were really nice too. They were yes. ab- abnormally nice. Like I was like, these these guys are super nice to us. I was like, why are they being so nice? So, you know, because I, I don't expect that type of reception usually. You know what yeah. I mean? So That's how I feel about Delaware versus New York. Yeah. Like people here are a lot more welcoming. Really? Now, now why is that? Why, why would you or what makes you say that? Or just in New York, people are a lot more like they have like a certain like stamina. I don't know how to explain it. It's like they're they're more aggressive, maybe. Yeah. Like here, like I know all my neighbors. And we're all like very like close with each other. Okay. Uh, I, I guess I can agree with that. Or I like, I maybe I've seen that I should say just because I remember the few times I went to New York <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, I was, so I was with my family and the, the, one of the things that, you know, my dad's always driving and my mom's always like, get in there, get in there. Like, you know, just, just hurry up and get in there. And she's like, so impatient. She's like, drive, drive, drive. And he's like, oh, well, I can't do X, Y. And she was like, just get in there. And she, and my dad actually kind of semi cut off somebody in New York city. And the guy literally just like was all cramped. He like went around us, was honking at us. I think he like flipped us off and everything. It just went. And then my dad just looks at me and he just goes, don't mess with people from New York. He just goes, they, <laughs> they will come, they will get you. Okay, but without further ado, guys, we're going to go ahead and get into today's topic, which is, I guess, something that's not really new by any stretch of the imagination, but is a an ongoing uh, issue slash phenomenon, I think, uh, both here and around the world, which is equality slash inequality and how it pertains to women here and around the world. Let's just start off like just raw, you know, what, what are your initial opinions to both of you guys? Like, what, what do you think? I mean, you know, you're, you're both women, uh, here, you know, by every sense of the word, you're modern day women, uh, living in this, like the now, the current, you know, you're not retired by any means. So yeah. But like, what do you think? So I guess what I'll preface with is, I am a woman of today's day and age, and luckily for my generation, um, I have not had to face half of the hardships that women from the previous years have had to face. I know there's been a lot of changes, and I'm not well-versed in history to name off years when things have changed, Um, but I can't begin to understand a woman's true struggle at its worst when it comes to that, because I didn't live that. And most people form their opinions of things based off of their experience. And my experience is limited in that sense. Do I respect what people have had to go through? Yes. But do I think that for myself, I feel my personal experiences have brought me to a point where um, I do feel on equal playing ground with a man. And I know that feminism is a huge uh, topic for today's day and age. And I do think that there are areas that could be worked on a little bit. But again, um, it's, it's difficult because I feel that there's, there's very polarizing sides and I like to be in the middle. That's how I am with everything. Um, I don't like to look at things in a black and white aspect. 
I'm open to anything. I like to touch on the gray area because that's usually where misunderstanding can create a lot of divide. Um, and I think if there are those little topics that you could talk to somebody about, educate them, maybe they don't have enough information. Maybe they don't know that they're doing something. Um, you know, it's, I, I think that's the biggest thing for me is that instead of, um, sort of addressing situations in a more aggressive way, I've always been the type to say, how can I help educate a person based on what I know and not, you know, digging into it farther than what I know. Gotcha. Okay. Awesome. What about you, Allie? What, what do you think? Um, I think today we've made a lot of progress like over the years. I think it's how with everything, like we're just going forward with stuff. We're not going backwards. Um, today, I mean, I have faced certain struggles as being a woman, like in the military, um, in certain career aspects, as far as like, um, sometimes it's not always like work. Sometimes it might be like a, like it's a woman. So like, I'm going to try to sleep with her maybe. And, you know, that kind of thing. But I also feel like that's kind of like, that's what a lot of things. It's not just like with the women. Gotcha. Okay. So can can you expand on that a little bit though, as far as like, do you think like, uh, like not specifically just with women, like what else covers that? Or I guess uh, does that entail? I also feel like men have a struggle. I realized that a lot lately. I also have nephews now. So my mind kind of changed. It's not like just viewing as like a woman myself. It's more like, hey, like I have a nephew who's going to turn into a man one day and I want him to have certain like characteristics and he also may face like certain struggles in his life Mm -hmm. um so it's more of like I see it from like a man's perspective um and I realize they also have a struggle like I feel like sometimes men are like structured to be strong all the time and I also feel like sometimes they will they'll only find comfort with their significant other like, that's the person they could be weak with and softer. But, like, outside of that, they have to be very strong and, like, the definition of what a man is and with their friends. So, yeah, I think it's kind of, it's not only women, it's also men, other people, people of color, that sort of thing. Right. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, I guess the, uh, in a sense, you're saying that the, it, it's um much more broad, than singularly just on women, but women are most definitely a um, one of the core aspects or one of the core, um, you know, groups in that particular phenomenon. Yes, they're yeah. a big topic right now. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, you know that that that's really good. I guess that the both of you guys, I guess, like you see the the big picture because that's one of the things that I see. I definitely because I will say I know a lot of people, mostly men, that are in the military. I don't know too many women in the military. I mean, there are plenty of them out there. I just haven't, you know, personally really gotten to know too many of them. For me, at least, just hearing stories uh, from, I guess, you just now. And then also my mom. Uh, My mom actually was in the military. She was in the Air Force back in the late 70s, early 80s. And that, of course, was a very different time back then. Different times, yeah. Yeah, she was, so she was a jet engine mechanic uh, in the Air Force, so she used to be there, you know, wrenching on, um, you know, a lot of planes. She would start these things up. She'd do all these, all these things. And, you know, she used to tell me, like, she had a great time. She, you know, always looks back on, you know, her days in the military as being, you know, some of the most glorious days of her life. But at the same time, 
um, you know, she does remember certain things and she does remember how some of the men, I guess they treated her. So I can most definitely, you know, I, I can, I, I don't know spe- the specifics because you haven't told me, but I can imagine, you know, what it must be like in, in that regard. But what about you, you though? Because I guess you, okay. So I will, I will specify by saying, um, as far as my experience goes with that, I've definitely been put in situations even um, as a, a not just young adult, but adolescent when my first job um, working in a pizza shop and being treated a certain way when I was 16 years old, not knowing any better. Um, you know, someone glides their hand across a part of your body and you don't think anything of it because you don't know any better. I think that's a situation that as you said, um, Ali, it's it's a global issue for so many different people because um, it's like when you open the door to the conversation, you hear about all of these specific situations for people where um, I see it for women and for men, this this over-sexualization and media doesn't help, social media doesn't ha- not help. It's like sex sells. It's true. You want to sell something, you plaster somebody with their shirt off or you plaster a girl in a bikini. I guarantee you that's driving sales. So people target those things because it's a weak spot. Um, you know, we all have sexual desires and it's where we hold our most shameful thoughts, like the shameful thoughts, the things that you don't want to share with people, the things that you, you know, kind of behind closed doors, you feed into that. Um, yeah, I hear you. That that's it's. It, I think that's the biggest thing is that most of the struggle that we have today comes from the things that people don't want to talk about. Like nobody wants to really openly address um, what could we do to change the perspective that people have about these sexualized things. But it starts with what do you expose yourself to? Like you can't control the media, but it's like, you know, what is what is it that um, is causing them to continue using these things, these sexualized things? It's because we unfortunately a lot of people feed into it so it's like they'll keep doing it if it works exactly so i think also when you're young and stuff like that happens to you it becomes normal yes or you're like hey like this is a struggle like i might face like it's just embedded in you and you're like okay like this happened again and you start to become numb to it exactly i completely agree and then it carries over into relationships too because then you have situations where women stay in relationships that are bad for them, um, potentially abusive sexually and physically right? Um, because mm-hmm. these things are normalized at such a young age and nobody talks about them. So it's like, unless it's addressed, they can't learn any different. It's almost expected. Exactly. At this point, I completely agree. It's it's like the, this is what's expected of a woman in a relationship. Like you just bow down and you just like take whatever it is um, because you're the softer one, technically, uh, stereotypically the softer one. Like you were saying earlier, um, Allie, when you address the, you know, men can't be soft. Uh, it's it's like in society, we expect men to have this hard shell because they're supposed to be the provider in a relationship, stereotypically. Um, but it's, it's like we don't give the grace to allow them to break out of that stereotype shell that they're in. Just like on the flip side, women have this, um, you know, expectation that we be these mm-hmm. soft providers for men in a way that, like, we have to give up certain aspects of ourselves that are, like, stronger attributes. Like, people talk about all the time, um, you know, is this a, a woman quality or a man quality? Like, if someone embodies something, it's like there is no difference between what a man does and a, what a woman does besides how we classify it. Exactly. Like, you could, ha- you could have a man who embodies... Um, 
stereotypical female characteristics. And then you could have a man that, um, you know, also embodies the manly characteristics, like those things. um, When we start to define things in boxes and we say this is what it is, black and white. We don't allow that gray area to like touch on the things that actually need to be addressed. Like a man should be able to talk. A woman shouldn't have to be able to or shouldn't have to take her clothes off to get like, you know, recognized or noticed for something that they're good at. Like those things. Yeah. Like I follow this dad on TikTok and he's a stay at home dad and his wife works. And it's a really sweet TikTok. And I looked at the comments. It's all women. And you see like every five comments, like a man, and he's just like tearing him apart. You know what? Yeah. So as you guys were just talking, just like there were so many things going through my head as you guys were, you know, saying what you were saying. And I totally agree with you. Like I 100% agree with you. But I will say this, like, um, I'm not saying that you guys are wrong. And yeah, it that should be like, it would be nice if that were the case. But yeah, like, as you just said, like, you know, there are other men out there that are totally tearing that guy apart. And that's just the thing. Like, I feel like as men, yeah, we're, we're expected to be strong. We're expected to be X, Y, and Z. And it's almost just like, and here's what I'm going to say. Like the basis of what I'm, or what I'm going to say is it's almost like women, women are applauded today if they have more masculine or male-like attributes. Yes. So if they're there, like if they're tough, if they're strong, like, you know, if, if take for example, you, you know, you're in the military, you know what I mean? It's like, like I'm, I'll bet you like everyone kind of looks at you, especially men probably. I don't know if I acted this way or whatever just in, initially when you uh, said so, but it was like, oh, like, wow, like, cool, that's great. You know what I mean? Um, I'm pretty sure a lot of men who don't know you probably they acted that way towards you kind of like oh wow like she's they put they probably put you on a certain pedestal then a man if he's there and if he's if he has female like attributes maybe like let's just say not to overly generalize generalize or stereotype but if he's there and he just like if he cries or if he gets emotional or anything like that everyone kind of looks at him and it's just like dude what the hell is your problem like your first like as a man your your first inclination is like seriously like it depends on what it is but if you see a guy crying you must know that like as a man you, they're you, hurt yeah yeah they're like really it's, hurt. it's just oh, like yeah. wow you must really be upset about something to be out here openly and crying especially amongst men and then also amongst women too because there's this there's still this dynamic nowadays and it's still I don't know how true it is or because I don't have any data that really says one way or the other. It just seems to be this way, which is uh, women don't really they don't really respect a man. It's not like they it's not like they hate him really per se or it's like, oh, my God, like somebody like hit him over his head. But it's more so like they're just like, oh, like he's uh, like we'll show him compassion, but he's weak. You know, kind of like he's a weak man. We don't necessarily want a guy that cries. And women are almost kind of they just look like looking at him and just like, like, is he okay? Like, well, <laughs> what the hell's wrong with that guy? You know what I mean? Whereas I think like if you ladies probably saw another woman that that was just like sitting around maybe and was crying, you'd probably be like, hey, girl, like what, what's going on? Are you okay? And I guarantee you this men would certainly if they saw a woman crying, the men would just flock to her and go, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? And it's like, but it's not. Yeah, like men are still really not like allowed to show that type of weakness, you know, not to totally shift the topic, but like it's it's just interesting that you guys say that because that's what I've noticed as well. 
I definitely have to say, um, I think there's been evolution in this topic. Like people are more aware of what men have to struggle with and what women have to struggle with. Um, because just as you're targeting men for not being able to cry, I will say that on the flip side, in a business aspect, if you're a woman and you get emotional at work, you're going to be exactly. treated differently. So like men may come to the rescue if it's just like out and about. But if you're in a business aspect and you cry or you show any type of emotion, you get upset, you get angry. Women are generalized as emotional, too emotional. We're too in tune with our emotions. We talk too much. We say too much. We feel too much. It's always about being too much for women, whereas men feel like, you know, it's it's like you have to keep everything in a box for women. It's like you bust that box open. You expect that from a woman all the time or you get stereotyped all the time for having even a little bit of emotion. So it's like as a woman, when you're trying to be professional, I catch myself trying to like not get passionate about things that I care about because I don't want to be perceived as the emotional woman. You have to be more aggressive sometimes. Yeah. And, and like firm. like what Ray was talking about, like this women being driven to a point of like super hyper independence. I don't need a man. I could take care of myself. I got A, B and C handled. I don't need anybody but me. That comes from the fact that a man at some point or I'm not going to generalize all men in this, but at some point there was this uniformity between, you know, men expecting women to be a certain way and like then it just carried off like generation to generation. And if you don't break a generational curse, you're just going to keep embedding that into your sons and your daughters. Like those things weren't addressed back then because we as women didn't have as many rights as men. Um, and like I said, I can't really speak too deeply into that because I didn't experience that when it was like legally a thing. But now it's like you still see it in society just in the way that people communicate. Like you can see the way that um, a man would talk to a woman differently than he would his other men. Vice versa, a woman would share things differently with another woman than they would another man. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that because there are certain things, I mean, I'll say around men, like nothing bad really per se, but it's more so like, and, and we all know what that, what that yes. is. Like, obviously like, yeah, <laughs> like we're all here, we're mm -hmm. all grinning and we, we all know exactly. But yeah, there are certain things. The other thing too is like, I, I can say as a man, it's almost kind of understood amongst all of us that there are certain things you talk about amongst each other. And there are certain things like, you know, you're tough on each other. You are not supposed to be tough on a woman though. Like there, like I've experienced it both at previous, you know, jobs that I've had as well as in my family, uh, certain things, you know, cause growing up for me, the relationship between my mom and my dad. So my, my mom actually by every sense of the word, and I hope my dad, hopefully he doesn't listen to this cause you know, but he knows it's true, which is, uh, to, to put it plainly, she was definitely the alpha in, in the family. My mom has always been pretty much the head of the household what she says goes she'll sit there like don't get me she, she loves my dad dearly and he loves her dearly but she'll say whatever to him and he just sits there and he he gets quiet and he's just kind of like and then like as soon as she walks away he'll be like why, why is she acting like that? I don't like how she acts <laughs> like that I'm just like well, you don't like it go say something to her you know he's just like gets real quiet doesn't say a word you know because she don't he, like he knows my mom is like and, and she is she's very confrontational she's very you know whatever do you think that's from her history of being in the air force a, a bit the other thing too i think is 
I don't know, like my, my mom, she grew up with a, so my grandmother was very much the same way. My grandmother was a very, you know, she grew up in the 1920s. Uh, you know, she lived through the great depression. My grandfather fought in the second world war. And I don't know, I guess she, she just grew up with this, uh, this aggressiveness, if you will, you know, and I guess, which was maybe somewhat taught by my grandmother, but also too, uh, my mom was also very aware of the very, of the fact back then as she was growing up in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and so on, that women weren't looked at the same way as men. Like they weren't seen as quite like, I guess being equal. And, you know, my mom always, just growing up, she always had something to prove, like being a woman. She was always just like, well, I'm a woman. I can do that too. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. stuff, you know what I mean? So she, like, I guess in a sense, always walked around with a bit of that chip on her shoulder. And even to this day, like, you know, she, she still like, we go, we see her all the time and everything's, you know, oh, women, this women, that blah, blah, blah. And everyone, you know, he only said that to her because she's a woman. He would not have said that to a man. And and she's right to a certain degree. Other things I kind of listen to her, I'm like, mm, like, no, not quite. <laughs> like a battle within herself yeah i i guess it's, i understand that yeah. yeah and and yeah and i can understand that as well because i mean me personally i've never lived that like i've never had to like i i will say straight up like i don't know the struggles of you know what women what, what they have to face today as well as what they did face back then like one thing i'll i'll note uh very quickly is the very like i don't fear really over i don't fear for my physical safety in the same way that women do. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm approached, like it, it, it depends. I have to be a little bit more careful though, because I will say this, just violence against men is much more acceptable than violence against women is. Violence against women is is just in most societies around the world is totally unacceptable. Violence against a man is not necessarily unacceptable. Um, so, I mean, I have to be careful in certain settings because I know, you know, depending on who I'm around, it's like, okay, you know what I mean? But right. I, yeah, I can handle, I, I know I can handle like myself and I can, you know, take care of myself all on my own. But at the same time, I don't, I don't know that, um, that struggle or that, uh, like walking around with that fear, maybe in the middle of the night, you know, maybe, you know, you don't want to walk around in the middle of the night. Maybe you're leaving the gym. Like one thing actually. So I, I know this one girl that goes to, um, Planet Fitness, the gym that I just normally go to, and uh, I work out. And, you know, so I see her every now and then and we talk and she's just kind of like, you know, I really hate the very fact that, uh, what, what is it? It's daylight savings time or, or something yeah. like that. She yeah. goes, you know, it starts getting dark around four or five o'clock. She was like, you know, I, I don't like to show up here at five when it's dark and then leave at like seven when it's dark. But for me, I, I don't think anything of that. Like, I'm just like, when I think about daylight savings, I'm just like, oh yeah, it'd be nice if it were brighter out. But I'm not sitting there thinking about, okay, walking to my car, is somebody just going to come up from behind me? Is someone just going to try to attack me, nab me? And then also too, like I, I, as a woman, nine times out of 10, your average woman will not be able to defend herself very well against the average man, you know, because the average guy is walking around at what, five foot nine, five foot 10, 190 plus pounds, you know, women don't definitely don't come anywhere near that. So it's like, for me, I don't have to worry about that. Like I walk around, I'm like, I'm not saying I'm the biggest or the toughest guy in the world, but if I walk around, you know, if, if a guy really tries to approach yeah. me and, you know, tries to, I'm just I'm like, you know, I'm just, I, I'm not really going to worry about that. Not unless he has like a weapon on him or something and can truly hurt me in that sense, but I, I'm, I'm not going to worry about it. So, so I'm, I'm sure like the both of you, I mean, as you were saying earlier, like certain things happened to you, you know, it was definitely, I guess, unacceptable, but, um, 
but also actually kind of going back to what I was saying a little bit earlier. And I've noticed this both professionally and just like at home and just like amongst, you know, friends, you know, men, men, you know, they're, they're supposed to be tough, but they're not supposed to be tough on women. You know, they're supposed to take a much softer approach to women. You know, like my dad, as I was saying a little bit earlier, like he was always tough on me growing up and I can understand the difference because it's like, okay, one person, this is your spouse. This is your wife. You're going to speak to him or her differently than you would, you know, your, your son or your daughter, somebody who's your child. I, I get that to a large degree, but he was always so tough on me growing up. Like he had no trouble just being like, Oh, you know, trying to be a tough guy. But as soon as my mom comes around suddenly, like he, he would never tell my mom like the, the straight up truth or anything like that. you like, he, he would always tell me like, he'd always mo- moan and complain about, goes, Oh my God, your mother's doing this. She's driving me nuts. So I'm like, well, why don't you just go address that to her and say that to her? He goes, Oh no, I can't do that. I'm like, you know, and, and it's the same thing too. Like I've had friends in the past that were girls that I found myself taking a softer approach to. Sometimes I was kind of the odd one in the group that would kind of tell her the raw truth and she didn't always like it. And a lot of my guy friends are there and some of my guy friends are like, dude, dude, you can't say that to her. I was like, why not? And they're just kind of like, well, that's just, that's just not nice. I'm like, but it's the truth. <laughs> you know, and they all knew it was true, but it's funny. Like all my friends are like, are like oh no, you're like, you like, you, you, you can't say that blah, blah, blah. But like, we'll all be there. Like we'll, we'll all be tough on each other though. So, and I've noticed that professionally as well. Like yes. I've seen in certain environments, if there's like a male superior, and then let's just say maybe he has a male subordinate and a female subordinate he will be much tougher on the male subordinate than he will on the female subordinate. Yes. You know, because the other thing too is, and I can understand this to a large degree because he does not want to get, he doesn't want to get accused and mm-hmm. he doesn't want to get reported to HR by any means. Kind of like, oh, well, he was being mean. He was being tough. And it's just like HR will sit there and kind of go, okay. And they'll like kind of pull him aside, like, you know, without really saying it. So they'll be like, well, you know, like yes. that's just the unofficial consensus. So it could kind of go two ways. So I've also noticed um, in certain jobs I've had and stuff, sometimes it's like um, they may have a certain relationship behind closed doors and it's not fair to the other person. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One thousand percent. Because it's like you take. Well, OK, so stereotypically, most of the relationships are male with female. So then if there is the preference of, uh, you know, the male who is the boss and then the female who is at the same level as another male, but she may have a deeper relationship with that male boss. Um, and that again is like, you know, the appropriateness in a workplace of like, what type of relationship should you have? Um, also again, sexualization, the temptation of certain things, uh, you know, people talk a lot about like the whole cheating you know, a man stereotypically always cheating on a woman. I see it both ways. And I will say my friends, uh, people I don't know, uh, you know, anybody, it could happen to anybody. You put someone in a situation that's tempting enough, anybody could make a bad choice. But it's the fact that like, I feel like every topic that we've been talking about, it's it comes back to the same thing every time. Putting something in a box, trying to define it just by black and white guidelines, a man being softer with a woman because that man thinks the woman can't handle that feedback because that's the belief system of like the generalized population. You only see a you know few outliers that are like, oh, you know, maybe we should treat them the same. But then, no, you know, I think nobody really um, sees a larger scale change in these things 
because it comes down to personal development and growth. If someone doesn't want to change, they're not going to change. Like, Ray, when you were talking about like how it's difficult for your mom to see things from a different perspective or to understand it from a different lens because of her experiences, why would why would anyone willingly change that? Because they're comfortable, right? They think they believe the right thing. They, they think that everything that has molded them to the person they are today is right and true. So you'd have to break all of that apart, which would be hurtful for the person because they'd have to admit that they were wrong. And then also you start from scratch. Then you start from scratch and you have to think, I don't know anything about anything. Let me try to learn the right way. You have to have an open mind. You can't be harsh on um, you know, your, your viewpoints. You can't be tunnel visioned. And power comes from the tunnel vision. That's what people encourage today. Like you come forward with something and say like, this is what I believe. This is what I stand for. And that's that. There is no conversation past that. Debates become arguments because somebody's so firm on their stance that they won't even try to understand the other flip side of it. And that's where the divide comes in with men and women. The man doesn't want to see the woman struggle and the woman does not want to see the man struggle because both of them feel like they're not being heard. Because when one speaks about it, the other one shuts off, vice versa. So like, I think it all starts from the fact that I so- I soften for men when I try to understand a man's struggle because I haven't personally felt what a man has struggled with. Just as I think that a man would soften himself to a woman and what she may go through if he tries to understand it from that perspective instead of what you know, like branch out to what you don't know. So I think that's hard on a large scale to do, though, because like I said, who wants to do that? That's hard. Yeah, most definitely. And what you just said just kind of it, it made something kind of or I guess I had a bit of a flashback. So, yeah, I mean, I've definitely had a few of those moments in my life where it's like, OK, um, maybe not just specifically dealing with with women, but just in general where I've been like, oh, wow. OK, I didn't I don't exactly know what I think I know or, you know, and I'm, and I'm realizing more and more. I don't exactly know what I think I know. If you will, it's created a deep sense of humbleness in me you know i used to be really cocky in the past like and i was when i was in my early 20s i used to be just really out there with certain things oh yeah blah 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 and then as soon as i got a little bit older and i learned certain things i'm like yeah it just turned into more just like kind of raw confidence rather than just kind of being cocky and too too sure of myself if you will um but yeah i i totally hear what you're saying so now let me ask you something though yeah you say that both sides they don't want to even i guess try to hear the other side out or, or anything now would you say that's more so is, is that more is that just totally a conscious decision or is that more subconscious because i feel like maybe maybe it's a little bit more subconscious just because that person because they haven't lived or that because they've never heard of those types of things it's so foreign to them they kind of think oh well that like none of that could be true because they just they themselves have not seen it so i think it comes down to a baseline level that everyone is selfish And that's just a reality that anyone who says they're not, they're lying because everyone has the desire to live life through their own lens. You're your own main character. You literally live your life through your perspective all day long. That's all you base, usually, usually, that's all you base your belief system on is what you personally experience, the people you care about, what they experience, everything that's directly in your view every single day. So take that out. And say like, oh, look at this person's life. Even though you have nothing to do with them, you don't need to care about them. They don't affect your life. Why would someone willingly put themselves in that position? It's uncomfortable. 
again, you'd have to potentially change your belief system and admit that you're wrong. Ego comes in, pride comes in, and both women and men have ego and pride. So that's not like a stereotypical thing, whether it shows in different ways for men, like it's usually more masculine and for women, it's usually more feminine, but it still exists in both. So like, I think that's the, that's the tough part about this. How do you get a whole entire society of people to care enough about another person to try to understand them? You can't force someone to have compassion or empathy. We can try to ingrain it in certain ways. And I know that this is like a, definitely a topic that a lot of people have opinions on, but a lot of people are anti-religion now because of like yes. the, the here's what you have to follow the rules and you got to do A, B, and C. But I have never experienced more compassion or more empathy in any other grouping than in a religious aspect. There's good people in religion. There's bad people in religion. Like there's people who say I'm a Christian and they, they don't act Christian. That, that happens everywhere. There's always a bad seed. But for the most part, I see people being understanding, trying to be a good person, trying to like break out of their lens of the world because it's it's like not just about them. It forces you to look at the world as like everybody matters. So I think that's something like how do you how do you encourage people to to change the way that they look at the world or to actually consider people other than themselves? What's what's the motivation here? Right. Okay. Well, I want to say that that's very interesting because, and I guess this literally goes back to the raw substance of, you know, your point. Um, Because for me personally, not that I've done a lot with religion per se, I really haven't, but I've actually had the pretty much the exact opposite experience. But, you know, not, not that my experience is, you know, takes precedent over anyone else's by any means, but that's definitely something I guess um, I'd like to touch on a bit. And like, I guess how, because you agreed with her. Like in in what ways? Like, can can you explain to me exactly in what ways? Like, what? Because I know, yeah, you're absolutely right. The everything nowadays is very anti-religion. Like, and I and I can understand it to a certain degree, to a certain degree, just because. And I'm not impugning anybody that is religious or likes to follow a particular faith or follows their faith a certain way. But just with everything going on nowadays, it seems like, from what I've heard, from certain not to get too political, but certain political parties is that religion has, it's gotten too ingrained in politics nowadays. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, yeah, it really has like, um, take for example, like just plainly putting it, they'll say that the evangelicals and a lot of the, the religious, some of the really religious Christians have almost in some ways taken over the Republican party. And now they're imposing their faith and their, their views and however, whatever it is that they think, you know, it could be anti-gay, could be uh, anti-abortion, you know, uh, Roe versus Wade, that sort of thing. Uh, so it, it's it's kind of gotten into its own little mess, if you will. And, you know, me personally, I think like it should be, it religion should be kept out of politics, but I guess I can understand why people take a dim view of it today. But like, um, but but what's your opinion? Because you agreed with her. And then I guess I kind of want to share some of my experiences when it comes to religion. But I actually disagree. Um, In New York, most people are raised Catholic, like they're Italian, they're raised Catholic. But I see them go far, like so far away from religion and what you're taught. I think it's more of like a culture thing. Um, Like I see with my family now, 
they are very big into Catholic religion. Uh, my nephews go to church, but it's like very hypocritical. In what way? Against like being trans now or like you're supposed to be accepting of people, compassionate, but it's very different. That's not what I experienced. So me going into an adult, I stopped. Like once I had the choice, I stopped. And I was like, I don't know if this is what I believe. This was what I was raised to believe and taught, but I don't see being practiced at home. So it's like, maybe it's not real. So, and this is, I had the same experience as you until I found Christianity. So I was Catholic before, same experience, very judgy, very traditional, very by the book for everything. Nobody that fell outside of that could enter that church without having like a, you know, a stare or like they look at you different. I have a child out of wedlock. I was not accepted in my church anymore. That's, that's not a, you cannot, you will be literally put like I had, he was young. So if he cried, like you'd be put in your own little section, you got to watch from like the outside looking in that type of thing in a Catholic church setting. Whereas I've never felt more welcomed than I do in a Christian church setting because, and, and actually, um, just a week ago, the last time I went to church, there was uh, a couple, two women holding hands that left the church. They entered that church holding hands. They left that church holding hands and had no shame about their relationship. That's refreshing. And it's beautiful because it, you could see the progression. So if you if you actually find, and, and that's what we were talking about earlier, experience-based. So I don't think that religion is necessarily the problem. It's the people who pretend to be something they're not. They use it as a form to judge others. I believe this, so you're wrong if you do this. As far as the actual basis of religion, it's like, you're supposed to be open to everybody and love everybody, but you're not practicing that. You're judging people. And now you're doing the thing that is actually a sin. You can't judge people. That's a sin. So just as you see the person who has the same sex relationship, the transgender, um, somebody who's having premarital sex, which, to be honest... I want to see a statistic on who waits until marriage, because <laughs> I can tell you if you had to if you had to confess to uh, to your sins before you watch, walked into a church, nobody would be going to church. So I don't think anybody has the right to judge anybody else for anything, no matter what their their preferences or their choices are going into a church. However, again, like what like what you were saying, Ali, it's like becomes a cultural thing. Now it's no longer religious. Like you, you're looking at it from a different lens. You're like. Oh, but I go to church, so I must be a churchly. Per- I must be like a holy person, and I, and I can do no wrong because I go to church. It's more of like a status thing. I realized exactly. That's the perfect way to put it. It's a status symbol because you can walk around and say this is part of my identity. So it's almost like a way to get people to see you in a different light. It's like, oh, I can do no wrong. I'm. I, I believe in God. God's on my side. So who could stand against me? Because God is for me. God's not going to stand for someone who's judging. That's not how we were made to be if you believe that God made you. So those people who like stand firmly in their belief system or aren't willing to like expand their their view of the world or accept people for, you know, being different than they are, those are the people that are like giving religion a bad name. And I feel like they're the ones that are emphasized the most because you get to hide behind the blind of like, oh, hey, I'm a, a religious person. Yeah. It's an ego. Mm, oh, 1000%. But we're just, people are just flawed naturally. Like we have so many... We're um, ego-based. We are about like power and greed. So it's like it that plays into all struggles with women, men, religion, whatever it is. We just are just naturally flawed. 
Yeah, totally. To your point, both of you. One, so my mom actually, it's funny. <laughs> I keep going back to my mom, but she, she is very. She's an atheist. She is very anti-religion for many reasons, and I can understand it. Uh, but one of the things is, so she grew up going to so. My grandparents, especially my grandmother, was actually very religious, was not overly outward about it. She was not the type that went, walked around and was like, you know, as you guys described, it was like, oh, well, I go to church, blah, blah, blah. Like she was not that type of person at all. She, you know, because correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure at least the Christian Bible. There's like a passage or a line in there somewhere that says, be wary of those who are all like. God, 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 X, Y, and Z, that sort of thing. You know, people who preach a little too much and are a little too outward with it. Um, so, so she was definitely not that type of person at all, but she did believe in God and she was a religious person. And so my mom, of course, growing up, you know, she went to church for a long time, all the way up until she was like 16 or so. And, uh, you know, I asked my grandmother one day when she was still around, I was like, you know, why did my mom stop going to, why did she stop going to church? And, you know, cause I think my mom and my grandmother, they were so much alike. So they butted heads after a while. And, uh, and of course my grandfather was there. He was the soft one that was a little bit kind of like, oh, well, you know, like everyone just be calm, <laughs> you know, make peace and this sort of thing. And, but I think, so I asked her though, I was like, why did my mom stop going to church? And she goes, you know, honestly, I don't know. She's like, one day she was just like, she was like 16 years old. And she just said, I don't want to, I don't want to go to this anymore. I don't want anything to do with it. And I'm out of here. Goodbye. And she just never, never, never went back. And, you know, my grandmother was like, you know, it's her choice. It is what it is. But I could almost sense a little bit of a, a sense of disappointment in her, in her voice when she said that. So I asked my mom, you know, cause she's very, she's an atheist and all that stuff. So I asked my mom, I was like, you know, why, why did you stop going to church? And she just goes, ah, well, you know, I just, I, I, I just wasn't on board with it anymore. She was just like, and this kind of goes to feminism and women. She was just like, you know, as a kid, <laughs> she was like, you know, as a kid growing up, I always kept hearing, you know, oh, the father and the son and this, this and that, and, and repent for your sins or something. And she was just like, I'm fucking six years old. I haven't done anything wrong. <laughs> like that, that's just what, like, but she told me she was like, like that's straight up what was, was my mentality. And then she was, she was like, and then everything too was the father and the son. She's like, what about the woman? You know, the woman does, uh, she was like in religion, you know, and she, she maintains this to this day. She goes, you know, religion is very anti women, like any, any religion out there. That's what she wholeheartedly believes. Now, whether she's actually, uh, you know, correct about that. I really don't know because honestly, I know for a fact she hasn't studied every single religion. I certainly haven't. W one of the things too that she said was r religion today is the way that it's used. I guess it's, she basically said it's been weaponized. It's nothing more than a way for people to discriminate against one another. So, which I guess kind of goes to what, you know, the both of you guys were, were kind of saying, but not all of them on it or are that way. Like, obviously there's like everything else in life, there's a shade of gray. So obviously, yeah, there is a shade of gray. There are some groups that are very much like, yeah, like we don't care if you're gay. We don't care if you're bi, we don't care if you're trans, we, you know, doesn't really matter to us, but it seems like maybe from a holistic or maybe I shouldn't say holistic, but, um, the way it's advertised or glorified in the media, that, that seems to be the thing, you know, they all kind of use it as a way to discriminate and damn one another, if you will. So, and here's where we can tie it all full circle. 
So if I asked you guys to go to a church with me tomorrow, would you go? Sure. I would go. Yeah. Because you both have open mindsets. Now ask somebody who's anti-religion because, again, we're in a generation right now where it's like being anti-religion is the thing. Yeah. So it's all about grouping. Like what we talked about at the beginning, once you start grouping things, that's your belief system and it's hard to break that because it becomes part of everything you believe. Just like stereotypes for women, stereotypes for men, what's emphasized in the the, the public? What is what is the majority of the population believing? And then people just run with it. And so then it's like, how do you break out of that? How do you show someone anything different than what they think they already know because it's based on their experience up until that point? So it's like, I personally hesitate to tell people that I'm religious because I want them to recognize their experience with me only based on how I treat them. And religion has softened me to want to help people more than ever in my life. However, the flip side of that you have other people who are saying, I'm a religious person, I'm this, I'm that. Um, and like you were, Ray, like you said, weaponizing it because they're saying like, I'm religious, so I have power in this sense that you don't have. And then it's again, grouping. Anytime that someone tries to group, anytime that someone tries to say it's black and white, this, you notice how much tension and how much divide there actually is. As soon as you make black and white statements, it's done. As soon as you believe something in black and white and you don't open yourself up to any belief of anything different, that's where the divide comes in. And that's where people fight each other and and hate each other and don't want anything to do with each other. And you can apply that to anything that we've talked about. Women, men, race, um, culture, religion, anything. Because if you're hard set on that and you believe that a certain type of person is a certain way because of whatever category they fall in it's like it's a done deal how are you going to see them any any differently you know you've already identified them and like as a human biologically you want to categorize people so you know what to do with them yes yes you want to identify them you want you see someone walking on the street how do you know if they're dangerous or not you try to pick up on the cues oh do they have they, do they look a little shady is their hood over their head you know and you base it off of your belief system Again, and and even to bring in race, there's a stereotype for a reason why people why people view it a certain way is because like somebody came out and said, this is how you identify a bad person. Okay, so now you walk around and you think that everybody who falls in that category is bad. But like the people who are open minded are the only ones walking around with like a healthy view of the world. And how many people can honestly say that? Like judging a book by its cover is done every day to survive. That's what people, that's what you default to. That is your animal brain defaulting to that. But like, it takes effort when you have to break out of that. You have to say like, I'm wrong, actually. You know what? I experienced, you could experience a really crappy religious person one day and then the next day experience the best person you've ever met. And then, oh, wow, they're religious. It breaks that, that identity of what you, of what you think the world looks like. And it takes experience with even just one person to break that, you know, but who knows your life experience is limited to what you experience every day. Like you may never come across a person that changes your belief system, but then when you do, it's like, can you admit that you might've been wrong? Like I admit I'm wrong all day long. I I hope someone comes up to me and breaks my belief system because I never want to think I really have it figured out. Yeah. That comes from like a place of growth. Exactly. Not everybody 
is in that mindset and open to like being my way of life might have been wrong. Exactly. But I think it is beautiful when you can come together and then like find people who are like that. And I think if you started grouping people like that, like who's who is in the mindset of growth and like how do we come together and all chase the same thing instead of looking at all the bad in the world? Why are we not talking more about those good people who are growing? Why are we not emphasizing more? What are these people doing? Can I get a playbook on how you're growing the way you are? Because you see motivational videos all the time and you get hyped up when you hear them talking about life and you got to do this and you got to work out and you got to read this and do It's hard. Yeah. Like you have all these things you got to do now and it's like, oh, wow, how am I going to get all that done? Not just the pressure of that, but it's like, do you watch the video and actually go do the stuff? Yeah, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Not everybody wants to do it and it's miserable. Yeah, Like when I... I'm a different person than what I was like two years ago. If you looked at me before versus now, it's completely different. But it took me from a place of isolation and growth and like really looking at what I wanted to do, making a plan. And it was miserable. Like it was really hard. But after I was like, wow, like I'm making all this progress. I have better people in my life. And it's it was not comfortable. And then my old friends were like, you're a completely different person. Like, you're this, you're that. And it's more like I'm not how I was. And they still are. So yeah, the journey is not like, it's not happy. Yeah. And just like you were saying, so Ali, you, you you talked about your friends not accepting your new self because they boxed you in a category and they were comfortable with you that way. And then as soon as you switched it up, you changed on them, they were like, oh, now you just broke my belief system because now you just showed me that things can change and that what I believed about you isn't true. Exactly. They're like, you're fake. Like, you're not who you say you are. I'm like, this is how I am now. Like, I'm 27. I had to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, and, and that's a thing. It's like, I feel like when you start to grow, sometimes you're like, wow, I'm way older. <laughs> like, you have to think about your age because it ages. It ages you because the wisdom of what you learn and the person you start to become, it's nothing near what you were like before. So it could be like two years time feels like 10 years because of all the work you put in yourself within that two year period. And it's crazy too, because as much as there are people who will be like, oh, why are you this person? Like, I don't like who you are now. Why are you, you, all of a sudden you switched up? Oh, you'll fall back to the person you are. I'm going to expect that you're going to fall right back to who you were before. As much as people stress that, emphasize that, when I see real change in people, like when you see someone completely change your life around, how many times how yeah, how many times do you see people actually fall back? Like, yes, people do take a couple steps back. They don't ever f- usually fall back to that person they were initially, though. Like there is some growth, even if it's incremental. Like that, I feel like uh everybody's chasing the growth mindset or like the grind mindset and all this, like the hyper-independence yeah. is, mm-hmm. is like thrown all out there. But I'm like, are we missing the mark here where we want the world to change, but we're only willing to change ourselves? So like, reach back and grab somebody else along the way. Why are we not sharing this information with each other more like, I try my best, but I look at so many other people who have so much to say and so much to give to the world where I'm like, I wish you would just like, go out there, put it out there and like share your knowledge. One person could hear you say one thing and it could change their mindset. It could change their life. And I think that that's the beautiful part about like where we're at right now because we can share knowledge like in two seconds. Go on social media, post on Instagram, post on TikTok, whatever it is. You could literally post one thing and impact one life and it would make a difference. Yeah. When I was going through like my period of growth, I really only want positive things 
like when I was like, I was working so much, I was just focusing on myself and I'm like, I would go onto TikTok, Facebook, whatever. And I was just look at positive things and I would make it my background on my phone. Yeah, it was really hard though, because I didn't have anybody to like go to, but this stuff is just helping me. Yeah, it's but, like, mm-hmm. like think like think about um, if you saw somebody and you're like, I love the way that this person is. I love their energy. I love their everything about them. The first thing I would want to ask them is, how did you get to where you are now? Can you can you give me a playbook? Like I want to know, especially if it's someone who had a similar journey to you, because we all carry different stories. And like we were talking about earlier, open yourself up to someone else's story. It's easier when you can relate to it. So find someone you can relate to. They, you know, did really well in life. Imagine how much progress you can make to that point. And everybody's walking around with their story, their unique story, the impact they can make on another person. Like we're all like, I think society's so busy picking at the people who are like doing the things that are wrong instead of highlighting the people who are actually bringing good into the world. Yeah. Like it, it's almost like those people get silenced because it's like we need some sort of chaos to hang on to, to feel like we're fighting for something instead of like fighting f- against each other. It's like we should fight for growth for everybody. Everybody should have the ability to grow or like the resources to grow. Like I, I think it would be interesting if this would ever be possible to put people in like a simulation scenario and let them be exposed to social media that's completely negative and all the media that's negatively driven and see how hateful they turn out and then put another group of people in the po- like what you were saying, Ali, exposing yourself to positive things, to the growth, to all, only the things that really empower you as a person and don't allow that judgment to creep in like you're not saying like stereotypically da 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 da. You're saying, hey, you know what? How are you going to expand your mind to like look at the world differently? Those two groups of people would be completely different. Yeah. It's also a choice. Exactly. Like I had to choose this. This happened to me and I had a, ch- a choice of staying where I was or growing from where I was. And I just, I feel like it was in me the whole time, but where my situation was, I didn't have the ability to grow anywhere. Like I was just stagnant for so long. Can I ask you, um, was it hard for you to let go of the person you were before at the beginning? Um, yes and no. Um, because I still have some characteristics stuck in me because of a place of like struggle internally and a bunch of different things and like fighting like from where I was. Like I have to have this external like if I have to be confrontational with someone, I can just switch like really quick. Like it doesn't look like it because I'm like five foot, I'm 120 pounds. But like I can also be very like aggressive if I have to. But that is from a place of where I was. So it's like a reflex because it's embedded in your subconscious. Yeah. So now like it's it's hard to let go. And it's like, do I let go of that or do I keep it? Because if I need it, like, I, what happens? So interestingly enough, uh, one, of, one of my favorite public speakers, Jordan Peterson, talks about the controlled monster. Yes. Um, he, he talks about the controlled monster in the sense of being able to utilize those things, like what you're talking about in a confrontational situation, being able to utilize strength when necessary, but not to exceed what is needed for the situation. So you say, I'm going to address this situation. I'm going to address the conflict. I'm going to give them as much confrontation back as they need to understand that what they just did is not okay so you're instead of being like the person who cowers or the person who is too aggressive it's like finding that 
controlled monster, like having it in you, but not using it when it's not necessary. Yeah. But like Ali, what you're what you're talking about, those um, subconscious things, it's like a trigger for you. You can't control it always. You have awareness of it, but it's like when you put your hand in a flame, you learn to pull your hand away from the flame. You don't really have to think about it after that because it's such a reflex for you that your brain just defaults back. So for you, it's like those moments, it's because those things are probably where you hold the most shame to, like we were talking about earlier, the, the areas that people don't necessarily like um, feel the most confident in growing or like expanding on are the areas that are shameful for them. Cause it's like stereotypically like a more aggressive approach for a woman, like what we talked about earlier would be like frowned upon. So it's like, Oh yeah, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to tap into that. Cause like, I don't want to become the, the identity of that for someone to identify myself as that. But like, I think that that's a powerful trait to have if you if you like control it well and you like learn more and you like dig more into it um because if you're ever in a situation and you're in danger you could handle yourself way better than someone who would be like you know cowering down to someone yeah so i think that that's like when we talk about the nasty things about like what we classify as nasty things about people like the i i'm i'm gonna be the first to admit like I definitely, uh, I'm not the greatest person all the time. Sometimes I have these little like, uh, thoughts in the back of my head that are really judgy and really messed up. And, um, I I know that that's something I can't control the thoughts, but I can control what I do with them. So like, just like what you're talking about having that, like, but you stop yourself because you're aware enough. I'm aware. Yeah. I know, but I know where it comes from. Mm -hmm. And my struggle right now is like, I was thinking about this last week. I was home with COVID and I was just in my bed. And I was just thinking, because that's all I could do. Yeah. Um, and I was like, do I, like, what do I do with it? Do I keep this? Or is it something I need to work on? Because it's also, like, career-wise, it helps me sometimes. Like, I might need to be like, okay, like, we're doing this, this, and this, and that's how, or that's my final offer to you, and walk away. Or even, like, in relationships, I struggle with it, but I've gotten better. And that's like, that's progress because it's not going to happen overnight. Think about how how long you spent in that mindset, and like how much you uh, fed into that before versus like, you. I mean, with your two years growth, like it does take time to break out of stuff. And even more so like your reactiveness in those situations, so much more controlled. And it's, I think this is like a, this is a belief I firmly have because all your, all your stuff is based off what you experienced. You can't control your past, right? But you can control how you handle it going forward. So like the fears and the bad traits and like what was embedded in you as a child will never go away. But you have awareness of it. So you know what to do with it. You know how to stop yourself. Like the trigger is always going to be there, but you become more resilient against that trigger. You're not going to just default right back to where you were. It's like you build up a tolerance, and then you say, I'm stronger than my trigger because you grew up like you grew past the trigger. It's always going to be there like that little childhood self's always in the back of your mind. It's always there. But it's like and then extend compassion to it because like, I mean, I don't expect you to talk about your personal life on here more than what you feel comfortable with. But like, think about like, wh- why, what made you think that you had to be like that? What did you have to go through that made you feel like you had to be like that? And like, I would extend softness to that. Because I'm sure whatever you went through was not diff- or was not easy. It was difficult, and it was not something that someone should have had to go through. 
Yeah, I will tell you though. Um, recently, I was think when I was home, um, I have nephews, uh, four or five, and I have a niece now. And I was thinking, I was like, if I have a son, I will worry about my son, but not at the same way I would if I had a daughter. And I thought about it like with my my aunt kind of, and I I spoke to her a little bit about this, and I was like, she got it because like we talked about like the struggles of women, and she is a stay at home mom, um, the husband's the provider, and the struggles with that. Because we talk about stuff like this all the time, she's like, you know, you're gonna be a mother soon. I'm, I don't plan on it, but that's what she says to me. <laughs> and it's we talk about this, and I was like, I really don't. I would love a daughter, but do I want one? Like, I I worry all the time. Like, I'd be, like, the struggles we're talking about now, I'd just be, like, she's, like, a little flower. Like, she's so vulnerable. If I had a son, I hope my son would be, like, a strong, successful man. And that, it's so... <clears throat> the fear that you have, it's like you want to protect your child from the things that you couldn't be protected from or that somebody didn't protect you from. Yeah. So it's like you want to be that person that stands in the way and you want to make sure that they don't have to experience the same things you did or that they turn out the way that maybe you did before you knew better. So you try to be and and it's beautiful, though, because um, I, so I have I have a son um, <clears throat> and and unfortunately he's had to go through similar things that I experienced um when I was younger and I it's hard for me because destroy me oh yes be so sad I, I'm I'm like it tears me up yeah it tears me up I can't sleep at night sometimes because I know that I can't protect him the way that I want to but what I can do and this is like something that's beautiful in expanding society in general everybody who has a kid Raising that kid with the awareness that you currently have, the what you were never given and what you were never, uh, you know, nobody ever introduced this idea of growth to you as a kid. Nobody ever introduced all these intricate little things. How do you process emotion? How do you understand, identify all these things? There's so much information out there now. My son may be almost, he's about to be six. He's young, but I expose him to everything that I expose myself to. Even if he doesn't understand it yet, he will remember parts of that. And it will be like, oh, wait, there's that one time I listened to this one thing with my mom or she said this one thing to me. Think about how many things you remember that your parents taught you, like the good stuff that you're like, that's really helpful. And it stuck with me. And I still remember it to this day. The very little yeah. things my dad taught me about like driving and stuff, I remember today. See, because it made such an impact. Like it, those are the things like it starts with the baseline like parent teaching your kid different they idealize you but how do you get the world to like act in a certain way to care enough to say like i have a kid now i'm gonna put my energy into actually building this kid into a good person so that one day the world will be better because i raised them right a lot of people walk around with childhood wounds because people who shouldn't have been parents are parents and we can't control that but it's like, I, I think, um, I, I see a, a solution, not even really, I mean, it's not feasible solution that could happen like tomorrow, but the solution being like, people like you, Allie, who you have that thought in your head, but like, what if you, what if you ever did have a daughter? Like, you know, you know how to be a good mom and she wouldn't experience the same things. Even if she did, you have the resources to give her now, whereas before, it would have been a generational curse. 
Yeah, I feel like that I have struggles with that too. So it's like I grew, I was raised to be a certain way or I seen like the gender thing, the battle of the genders. And it's like, I tried to stray away from that. But I strayed away from like to like hyper independence where it's like, oh, like now it's a problem. It's not like a solution really. It's and like too much middle. of too much of one thing is never good. Yeah. I think we can all admit that. Flip side of the coin, how do you get to the middle? Like it's so hard because you go from one extreme to the other. Neither one is healthy. Both right. of them are are toxic, actually. To to be honest, in a relationship dynamic, hyper independence and codependence are just as bad as one another. Yeah. So it's like, how do you how do you get to the middle ground? Again, it's like shattering your belief system because to get from one extreme to the other. You're like, all right, I have beliefs about this, and then I'm just going to do the opposite of what these beliefs say. Instead, it's like the open mind. How do you keep the open mind? How do you like how, um, especially in an ego-driven world, everybody wants the power. How do you have power? Ego. So how do you let that go? You ground yourself. Exactly. Like I'll spend time with my nephews. I'll go. What I do really is sit outside my house. And like, I'll write and I'm like, this is like, I came so far. Like, I really don't need to keep killing myself thinking like I'm not, I didn't do anything with my life because I did. I made a huge difference. Exactly. And that's, that's like a beautiful story. Like I would even go so far as to say like, that's a beautiful story. And if you shared it, like in a public sense with people, I guarantee you there'd be so many people who would relate to you. And there's something healing about that because then we realize we're not alone. In our struggles, we're never alone because there's always someone who's going through something similar, whether it's exactly on the dot or it's just a little bit alike. When you feel understood and heard, it's life changing. Just like when we talked about the difference between men and women, if we would hear one another and try to understand, we wouldn't have issues. If somebody could take themselves out of their own head for one minute to care about another person. Yeah. It's life changing. It's very hard to be compassionate. Like I'm, I have compassion for people. Sometimes it's like a switch though too. Like I can just switch it because I used to be more compassionate now and before I had to be like F everybody. And now I'm like, okay, like that's not really, we don't have to do that. I can be sensitive and soft to people and it's not a weakness. Exactly. Because at the end of the day, you know, you're good. Like, especially when we do good things with the, with the hope that like we get something out of it. Like, um, a lot of people extend kindness to like homeless people when they're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to record it. And I'm going to look like a good person yeah. online yeah. or I'm going to go brag to my friends about it. I'm going to go tell my family about it. how many people are out there giving to the homeless and not telling a, a soul. Nobody saw you. Nobody's going to know. Would you do it? Would, would you would you willingly do it if you knew no one was watching or yeah. that you wouldn't ever get praise for it or recognition for it? That's where like the true compassion comes in, like. Can you go help somebody and know they may never even know your name? They may never, they may take it for granted, but can you extend kindness to them knowing that you may not get anything out of it and that it's just for them and nothing's for you? For those of you listening, there was a brief interlude because the fire alarm in my apartment literally just went off for about, what, 15, 20 minutes. And I actually had to step outside and I actually had to call 911 and tell them, you know, please somebody get somebody out here to shut this thing off. Yeah, we were basically talking about what egos and selfishness and and how it is very hard for us to pull ourselves out of our own perspectives at times, even if it's something that we can relate to. If you're not currently going through it in the moment, it's like 
the ability to extend softness to somebody is not the default because it's yeah. it's not helpful for you in the moment. Like it's not satisfying for you. Um, but again, it's like, you know, do you do everything for you or do you have the moments where you're like, I will take myself out of the equation. It doesn't need to be for me. I don't need to be recognized for this. I'm just going to extend kindness. Yeah, it's like your duty to do it. Once you get out of that phase, like with me, if I'm not sympathetic towards somebody who went through the same thing as me, I feel like I'm wrong. Yeah. And then it like, it's it's part of that, uh, you treat other people a certain way, and then you'll start to treat yourself the same way, vice versa. You treat yourself a certain way, and you might treat other people that way unintentionally. So everything that we project to other people is something that actually exists inside of us, whether we like it or not, whether we want to admit it or not, like it exists there. So we have to address it. Like it starts with us. Yes, exactly. Like I've come across so many people that I've met, especially women, even some men who have gone through like a domestic situation where I'm like okay like I'm like my everything just turns for me and I'm just like really soft and sympathetic I'm like okay like I'm safe with this person like I can talk to them because we have the same struggles even probably today but our face are in like we we we're like it's like a sister automatically or brother sister whoever it's with exactly they know your struggle so it's a it's a it's a very deep part of you that they understand more than most people because the people who haven't had to go through it, yeah, they don't know. I mean, you can empathize with someone and you can sympathize. Empathize being that you didn't go through it. But there's a difference with the sympathy people because they're like, I felt that pain too. Yeah, and it's really common. Like it's it's really rare to find somebody who didn't have like some kind of bad relationship. Exactly. Men, women, whoever. And I think the abuse factor too is like, we talk more about it now, whereas before people were like, that's not abuse. That's everybody. Everybody does that. Yeah, everybody like, experiences that. No, like, that's not okay. It's like, no, Can't actually, <laughs> what we believed before was the wrong thing. And now we're kind of talking about the gray area where it's like, you can't do that and expect someone to not, like, feel a certain type of way. Like, emotional abuse is real. Whether you can see the the wound or not it still exists. So like the fact that that's a thing, you have to fight to show somebody that you were abused with emotional abuse. Cause like, oh, did you, is it really emotionally? Like people, people can't see it cause it's like they weren't in that situation when you experienced it, right? Yeah. So how do you, how do you, if you haven't experienced it yourself, emotional abuse, which at this point I think everybody has to yeah. be honest. Even in, in childhood, form. anybody. Yeah. Anytime somebody has, uh, you know, and, and that's the other part of it. It's the flip side. Emotional abuse coming out of that, I will be the first to admit when I experienced emotional abuse regularly and I came out of that, I had a really toxic mentality about a lot of stuff. And I had to admit where I could potentially be emotionally abusive because I learned to be reactive off the other person that I was involved. This was a romantic relationship, but off that other person. So I became defensive about mm -hmm. like, things that I should have never been defensive of because I'm responsible for my reaction. I can't control other people, but I can control me. But I'd be like, oh, excuse to be out of character because they just triggered me, uh, reminded me of my ex. This is how I handled it with my ex because they were actually emotionally abusive. So like, it's hard to pull yourself out of that. Yeah, and that comes with childhood too. Um, I met some men who have like bad relationships with their mother and it makes them become, as an adult man, like crazy like they yeah. have these relationship issues and some are like i don't trust women i'm like 
that's crazy to walk around but i do i do that now like i I don't trust men and this and that it's crazy to walk around like that through life like every day yeah i i will say personally i know firsthand what that's like just because growing up i did not have the best relationship with my mom you know we we get along famously now but for a very long time between me and my mom it was uh it was it got pretty nasty between me and my mom we were just because we were alike in so many ways it was it was kind of strange you know um we were alike in many ways and we just we were the one it was kind of weird it was almost a really strange dynamic because we were the ones always butting heads usually it's the husband and wife that are butting heads but in this particular case the two in the family that were always butting heads was mother and son and my dad you know was always there in the background trying to not really mediate things, but he almost just was kind of like, uh, you know, and he just, you know, he, he didn't really do anything about it for a very long time. And, you know, things eventually kind of came to a head, but it all worked out, I guess, well in the end. It was like, okay, you know, we found a way to peacefully coexist, which was nice. But yeah, I can definitely say like men, in my experience too, like men have, men that don't have a good relationship with their mother, tend to be, I guess, a little bit more toxic or have more toxic traits, in my opinion, at least. I don't have any real data to totally support that. But I can say in my experience, I do wholeheartedly believe that because that's how I was with many of the girls that I dated. To a certain extent, it was it was funny. Like I have a lot of friends. It's almost kind of half and half. I have some friends, like half of my friends are like, yeah, they've had toxic, like horrible relationships. And then I have other friends that didn't have really horrible relationships at all. Like they, I talked to them and they're just like, dude, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like I haven't experienced any of that at all. Like that's totally you. Like I, I can't speak on that. What I will say is, yeah, it, it just basically goes back to the relationship, I guess, that you, you know, that you had with your mom. You know, I just, I don't know. I had issues with her growing up and therefore like, yeah, cause that's the thing, like both my friends as well as my family, especially my mom. So it was just kind of like, you know, where do you meet these girls? Where do you meet these girls that they're all like they're here? Like, and you know, not to speak too poorly of anybody, but there were certain things that happened. It was just kind of like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> just like, that. And I'm like, like some of the things you'd see on like a crazy Netflix TV show. And I'm just kind of like, Oh, okay. And then I think about it. I'm like, that just happened. Like, <laughs> you know, Toxic people often tend to attract toxic people. They may be toxic in different ways, but toxic nonetheless. I've noticed, like, just me in in my experience, I've noticed the girls who are very toxic tend to either not have had much of a relationship with their father mm-hmm. or they didn't have a really relationship with him at all. I've yeah. noticed, you know. And it was almost like the mother was totally left to raise the daughter. You yeah. Know what I mean, so that's just my, from what I've seen in, in my experience, I, like I said, I don't have any actual data that to support that, but that's just what I tend to have seen, you know? And so. that's a struggle in its own being a single mother. And then sometimes they're not ready or like they're sad because they're in the situation there and they are not always the best parent. 1000% because uh, the pressure is on. If you're a single parent, the pressure is on. You have to be the mom and the dad. And you have to show up as as both to try to raise the child in the best way possible. You don't have, um, you know, another person who's helping to support you in that sense. Um, 
I, I think Ray, with your with your discussion about choosing people, when we experience certain pain from our past, especially from childhood, we tend to choose people based off of our wounds instead of what we want because we're familiar with the wound. We know how to navigate that because we already went through it. Choosing unfamiliar is harder than choosing a painful familiar because you know the pain. You got through it. You survived it. What's the unknown? You don't know what lies back there. You don't You don't like that because it's not what you know. Again, full circle. People don't like what they don't know. People like what they believe, what they know, what they're familiar with. And as a child, your uncertainty came from, I don't know what the world's like. Your safety came from learning the world. Then when you developed enough of a baseline to learn the world, now your comfort lies in that safety of like, I know what the world is now. I'm going to stick by it. That's what gives me safety. But it's really not because like if you experience any trauma or any you know unhealthy relationships in your childhood, you choose the unhealthy route because that's what you learned. And, and it's hard because like everybody has experienced something. I guarantee you every person in the world has experienced something that deeply rooted uh, an issue that they struggle with in their adulthood because you have to break out of that. But at the same time, it's like we have to take accountability for our wounds and not wound other people based on that. And that's where it's like the reciprocal toxicity in relationship. I have to take accountability for my toxicity. I'm going to leave that person and they're going to continue being how they want to be. And I'm not responsible for that, but I am responsible for me. And I'm not going to hurt people just because I'm hurting. It's not my right to hurt someone else just because I'm hurting. So like it is true when they say hurt people, hurt people. If you don't heal that pain, it's like you will, whether it's the same way that you were hurt or another way, project the pain because it's still there. Yeah. There were certain things like, and again, like kind of also going back to one of the points that you said, it was all ego driven, you know, a lot of it because like my, you know, people in general have egos, but especially men, men have a certain type of ego. You know, there's a, I can't entirely describe it, but it's like, um, it, it ties in with our masculinity it ties in with, with so many different things. The last thing that you want to do is be seen as weak or less masculine because men have never been celebrated for their weaknesses. Like you always default to whatever you experienced in the past, you know, and you kind of use that as like a, a template, if you will, going forward with like, um, you know, different people. But I would say I've taken I've definitely taken the time to think about those things and to kind of like heal and to, I guess, see where I was wrong and, you know, heal those wounds. And I like to think that maybe I have. I mean, but in my opinion, you don't entirely know until you're actually in that moment with somebody else and you're in that moment where maybe they're doing certain things or you're doing certain things that might trigger you one way or the other and you're kind of like huh you know typically in those relationships when you when you first um i'll say this you can heal individually and still be unhealed relationship wise you could be good on your own and you could be terrible in a relationship because you're not touching that wound until you're back in the circumstance you were in when you Mm -hmm. got the wound If you're not with someone, then you're tapping into the wounds that are outside of that person and that experience with that person, that dynamic. You're good on your own. You get with someone else. You notice the triggers come up. You notice you're getting this certain mentality about them based on like what you were saying, Ray, your past experience. Because like this whole thing, this whole thing is wrapped around the same idea, stereotyping, boxing people up 
and thinking that you know what they are just because a couple of the elements are familiar. You're like, I know what that is. I'm identifying that right now. They're this. And then you start to look at them as just that. You don't look at anything else. People are made up of so many different elements and qualities that like you can't just straight up say they're this. They're not that one moment. They're not that one mistake. They're not, you know, one specific singular thing doesn't change a person completely. Like they are the embodiment of everything. And that's another thing. Um, after experiencing a toxic relationship, you could go so far as to say, oh, everybody I come across is like the worst because everybody has a flaw. Everybody has a flaw. Yeah. You become aware. You're aware of everything. You will pick up on anything from anybody because we're all flawed. But when you go at it with the approach of, oh, well, I'm not going to get with them because they have A, B, and C wrong with them. What can you handle? Like what's a, what's a red flag and what's like a no-go. Like there's red flags that you could deal with. Some people have the capacity to deal with certain things that other people don't. But what type of person are you? You can't like expect just this person to be great all the time. Like imagine if someone expected that from you. How much pressure would that be to be perfect all the time? So in your weaker moments, your triggered moments where you hope someone would have some softness for you, they don't. And then you're judged for it. And then that's a wound that you have to carry because nobody wants to feel like they're being judged and and misunderstood by their significant other even in friendships or even in family dynamics like you want them to be the people who are like i got your back i can see you struggling right now and i can see you hurting right now and what you're doing isn't okay but i'm still gonna stay here i'm gonna be here when it's done like that's that's real like compassion and love like when you take yourself out of the equation like people jump ship all the time for good reasons but people jump ship too much when you start to expect perfect, they're not going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's funny you mentioned that. So like literally two things come to mind when, when you, you say that for, so one thing I noticed is, so I guess we'll, we'll kind of touch on this first and then I guess we can touch on the second part of it afterwards. So I'll have to make sure I write it down from memory, but I don't know if it's just this day and age, but it seems like today everyone has baggage, like quite literally everyone or Maybe not everyone, but most people in my experience from what I've seen, you know, Mm -hmm. not just through social media, but like people that I personally would not have expected to have some type of baggage. Man, they have some baggage and it's it's okay. but it seems like everyone has that baggage today. Everyone has something that went on and, you know, that they were dealing with. Maybe you wouldn't uh, have expected them to also specifically as it when it comes to relationships, like maybe it may it may not have been relationship uh, related when that trauma or that event maybe uh, occurred, but it's something that they carry over into the relationship aspect of their life. And it almost just seems like maybe our parents' generation either didn't have that or maybe they just didn't have it, not nearly as much. But it just seems like today, it seems like everyone has those issues. Um, it's glorified in the media, uh, in the media too. Everyone's talking to, like, if you ever go on TikTok, of course we all have TikTok. Every everything's talking about like, oh, toxic relationship, or oh, like if she does this or if he does this, like toxic. You know, here are the red flags, blah blah blah. And then everyone, you know, some some of them try to appeal to your emotions as well. But yeah, it just seems like everyone has that uh, nowadays. Well, as it comes to you, I so touching based on on what we're exposed to. Uh, and and people posting about this is toxic, black and white stuff. You hear the black and white stuff because yeah. that's yeah. what gets attention. Like these people are like, oh, 
don't oh and you see it with diets and with workouts and stuff too yeah. like you see it with everything someone's like that's a bad workout that's a bad diet don't eat this because this is bad for you how do you know like you can't just generalize things and yeah. say like that's bad unless it's like truly like i if someone's like hitting you in a relationship that is not okay like there's no way shape or form where that's okay or acceptable yeah abuse is a completely different ballpark but when it comes to like qualities of people everyone has a different preference so if you go into a relationship with like this is my preference one person may be like ew i don't like that if someone did that i would not like that i would not deal with that so everyone is looking for a different type of person it's all about finding who you're compatible with who wants the same things as you and who matches your energy like you can't have that without not everybody's for you and you're not for everybody else like we can't expect every person we come across we're going to be great with like we we don't mesh well with everybody but like where do you where do you draw the line like how do you say like uh say you meet somebody you get emotionally invested in them you see things you don't like do you step away logically because you know it's not going to go the way that you want it to? Or do you stay because you're like, I'm emotionally invested and now I care too much and I'm going to stay? There's like a, there's, it's a, there's a caveat to like, when you choose somebody, um, the beginning stages I would say are almost the most essential because a lot of people are like, oh, um, I'm going to give them a chance. I'm not going to write them off for da, 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 da. If you know that it's something you can't get over, don't expect it's going to change because that person should only change for them. If they change for you, it's going to be temporary. That's not a real thing. I firmly believe that people only change for themselves, um, mainly because what happens when you're gone, like in that moment, say that they like face a situation and you're not there, say that it is like something where it's like trust issues. If temptation looks them in the face and you're not there and they're like, oh, I'll change for you, but then like they get tested and they haven't really changed in their heart. How do you how do you trust that person really? Cuz they say it but like will they actually show it? That's the their it own comes? like growth process. Exactly. Like yeah. if they haven't gone down the journey themselves, like how you can't you can't expect that they'll change in the I'm not saying that people can't grow in relationships because I will say 1000% you can grow with somebody but you have to be growing individually too if that person does not see anything wrong with their behavior there's no way there's no way yeah so yeah so actually I just remembered what it was and it actually ties into what with what you said earlier and also I think what you with uh what you just said which is so I don't know if you guys have ever heard of uh, Mark Manson um, so Mark Manson, he's kind of like, not, I don't know if he totally labels himself as like a relationship expert, but like, I, I don't know how he labels himself, but he basically does talk a lot about toxic relationships. And one of the things is, is he, he basically said, I'll never forget. He said this, it was like on a YouTube video. He says, look, there are two types of toxic people. One is the type that the, the person that needs to be saved. And then the other person that feels that they can, or they want to save somebody. Which kind of goes with like, so I guess my question is, how do you, where's that fine line? Because obviously you want to, you want to stick with somebody and, you know, you want to show them, of course, like, you know, you're going to be there through, through thick and thin, good times, good and bad, all that stuff. But at the same time, and I personally, this was part of my toxicity, which was, I was the type that I felt like I needed to, I either could, or I needed to save this person. Like, cause my ex and certain women that I dealt with in the past had a lot of trauma, had a lot of things that went on. And 
I was there and I was just kind of like, I don't know, like I just felt like I could guide them and I could like essentially almost save them in a weird way, almost on a subconscious level. And that all in on its own is its own toxicity. And it also kind of goes with what you just said, which is like it, for me in, in my particular case, I can't save that person. That person has to save themselves. And that's one of the things that I had dealt with in the past with some of my relationships, um, you know, especially one where it was like they had so much like I realized that what I, what I just said, like I, I wanted to save that person, but I couldn't. And one thing I eventually, you know, really tried to push home for that person was look like I can't fix your problems. Like it is, I can be like, I'm not responsible for fixing them either. It's my responsibility to be here for you as you go through those things as a, as a supportive partner. Exactly. Yeah. But I, I am not, I can't do the work for you. It's something you yourself really need to do and you yourself really need to face. But that was the thing. Like, I always felt like the responsibility was put on me. I guess I kind of put the responsibility on myself to a certain degree, but also I felt like the responsibility was being put on me from her. So, and, and the biggest thing with that, the, the savior, um, complex, is hugely known for people who have experienced trauma. Because again, even when we were, Allie, when we were talking about children, wanting to protect your child from the thing you experience because you believe that they will be okay in the ways that you weren't okay if you can do that for them. The realization here is sometimes we have to pull ourselves out of it. The emotions that we're not comfortable facing, we don't want to see our loved ones face because we're not comfortable with it. So we assume they won't be comfortable with it. We look at it from a narrow lens. We look at it from our perspective. But if you take yourself out, people need to struggle. They need to struggle to grow. They, they need do. to struggle to learn. And it's hard to see somebody struggle, but boy, is it beautiful to see them grow through it because they build they build the resilience. They build like their own foundation of what they believe strength to be within themselves. So if you're not there, like imagine that. Are you really helping someone when you save them? Are you really helping them or are you enabling them to lean on you? Because that's what the savior complex does. There, It's two dynamics for a reason. It's the usually anxiously attached person who needs to be loved and needs to express the love so deeply for that other person and the avoidantly attached person who does not want the love because they're afraid of it because they don't know what love should really feel like because they probably haven't experienced any type of real foundation of love in their childhood. And an anxious person can be avoidant, vice versa. Depending on the dynamic that you're in, people can bring out that side of you. I've experienced the flip side of both. If someone's like on you all the time and it's overwhelming, you're going to pull back. And same thing, if if someone's like, oh, and they're not they're not like they're not giving you attention. They're just like pulling themselves away from you. You're going to be like, oh, wait, I need you, though. Come on, come back. How do I get you back? Yes. You're going to try, try, mm -hmm. try, 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 because you think that's what's going to work. You're going to throw yourself into it because you think that if you put more effort in the relationship, that they're actually going to give you effort back. But in reality, you're just pushing them farther away because you're trying to grab onto them. You're not putting your hand out. You're grabbing them. They're not grabbing you back. So like those things, it's identifying early on where that starts to come in. And instead of being like, let me sit with this feeling and continue to like, if I'm anxiously attached with somebody, instead of like feeding that and trying to pull them in, I could just have a conversation with them and be like, hey, I noticed you're distancing yourself a little bit. 
can you talk to me about that? Maybe are you like feeling something that's making you do that? A conversation is what kills the savior complex. And if a person is too overwhelmed to have the conversation with you, they're not healed enough to be in a relationship. I'm sorry. That's that's the reality of it. That's is, a big thing. Yeah. And how do you walk away from that when you're emotionally invested? You stay because you see the hope because you're like, oh, they're good some days, but then other days they're like not really there. But what is it doing to you? What is it doing to you? And are you really helping them or are you enabling it? Because you're still staying and saying like, just like a kid, if a kid does something bad, there's a consequence. There has to be a consequence in relationships too. If they do something and you're like, I'm not standing for that, you staying and saying like, I'm just going to, that's not, that's enabling. So it's like those things, the toxic things are different than someone having a shortcoming, like a momentary lapse of judgment for something. That's like, that's doable. That's doable. Like, I'm not saying like some people can't get over cheating. So I'm not saying that by any means, but like I'm saying a person who consistently shows you behavior or someone who messes up one time. One is a behavior pattern and a habit. That's that's who they choose to be. And one is just a mistake. Yeah. So like, how do you identify? Does it repeatedly happen? Does it happen one time? Yeah. When they apologize, do they fix it? Or do they keep doing it? Because apologies without changed behavior are actually manipulation. Yeah. I know um, a family member told me recently that a good man will make mistakes. Like that's just what, how people are. 1000%. They can't be perfect. Doesn't mean that person isn't a good man or a woman, whatever it is. Exactly. Yeah. And that's a beautiful way to look at it because you don't judge that person. Again, those situations where you don't judge a person based on a moment, you let the entire mm -hmm. identity of them be, be known in your head. Like, are they worth it? Are they worth the fight? Like, do, are they working with you or are they working against you? Is it is it who they truly are or was it just a, a, a low moment? Like, you know, you know, deep down, you can trust your intuition in those moments. People just don't like what their intuition tells them because we have to have a reason as to why. Always. We have to know why. We have to know why. Like, oh, but oh, but if, if it was if the shoe was on the other foot, I wouldn't want them to leave me. But would you ever really do that to them? So you can't look at it that way. Because like you would never treat them like that. So why are you going to let them treat you like that? Exactly. Yes. And then as soon as you accept that behavior, it becomes you set the baseline for how they can treat you. Then they're like, oh, I got away with that. They're okay with it. They're cool with that. I'm going to keep doing that. And it's going to keep getting worse because the more comfortable a person is hurting you, the deeper those wounds are going to be. Like they're, they're going to keep, they're going to make it worse and worse it's and worse. what you allow. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely true. I mean, that was, those were a couple of things that like, I guess I had issues with in the past. I would allow certain things. And then, and there are certain things too, I guess, like they allowed from me. One of my questions is though, is like, where is the fine line though? Because you know what, you know how they often say, they, they say if somebody did something once, they can certainly do it again, or they will do it again. Or take, for example, Oprah, what did, what did she say? She was talking about Rihanna and Chris Brown. She was like, you know, if he hits you once, he will hit you again. I think physical violence, that's very true. Um, for cheating, I've seen people overcome it. Um, but anything violent like that, that's not, that's never okay, ever. Right. Well, and I think the biggest thing, where is it coming from? Why are they, why do they feel like they have to do that? And are they able to talk about it? If they can't, nothing's going to change. Like, to be honest, if someone makes a mistake and they're not, 
trying to grow their mentality to tap into that wound that they may have um, projected when they did that thing, they're not going to fix it. They're not going to fix it. And it doesn't mean you have to go to a therapist. I know some people are anti-therapist. I, I personally think it's great because you can reflect with an unbiased party um, and they can give you sound advice. They're professionals. Um, however, I think that if a person isn't actively working on that, it doesn't happen overnight. Change doesn't happen overnight. So it's like, can, can you see them? Like, how do you know if someone's changed? Well, first off, have they taken accountability for the change behavior or for the, the mistake and shown you change behavior? If they haven't, then they haven't changed. And then you also have to ask like, all right, I'm, I'm risking this right now. If I stay, I'm risking something. And you're risking potentially having to go through the same thing again if they haven't changed. So are you willing to do that? You have to ask your, it's a per, like the fine line comes down to choice. Like, is it worth it? Do you think they've changed? Have they taken accountability? Like you have to ask yourself the hard questions. And if your gut's telling you like, no, it's not right, but you love them too much to walk away, you have to separate yeah. logic from emotion. And it, it sounds horrible saying it that way, but like for a person you spend the rest of your life with, yes, that's real. That becomes you. They become you. Like what we just talked about, toxic becomes toxic. You're with a toxic person, you will inevitably become toxic yourself to, to match that energy. You're, you balance each other, whether it's in a bad way or a good way. Yeah. So who do you, like, do they make you want to be a better person? If not, then they're probably not the person for you. I think that's what it comes down to, like better moments that outweigh the bad moments, you know, like, are you actually building something together or is it just holding on to something because you're afraid to be alone yeah right um what i've noticed when i came out of my like transition period and i started dating um i started dating small and i really was like there's a lot of great men like out here but then once i was with one person i that's when i seen like all the the struggles come again but it just took me time to navigate through them Exactly. Because it's like, once again, those wounds, it's like you don't open up the wound again to figure out what's underneath until you're in that situation. You're in the same circumstances. Because like, if you're good on your own, it's like, you don't have to worry about another person. And what the and if it is, if your trauma is rooted in relationships, then most likely that's what you have to expose yourself to to heal it like that's the hard part about um you know people talk about healing from toxic relationships or healing from um abusive relationships and they're like i just don't want to have anything to do with people that's That's, not good either yeah that's unhealthy because you build that like individual mindset of like i don't need anybody i'm not going to ever open my heart to anybody you harden yourself so you assume the worst of everybody and you're never going to be like the same person again in the sense of like having that softness having that love but then it's like you you start dating and now it's like all right if i see one little thing that that reminds me of someone from my past i'm going to cut them off that's not to say that intuition isn't like a really good helper at the beginning but it's like is it your intuition or is it your anxiety is yes. it is it the trigger or is it your intuition like Though identifying it's hard because the trigger is so like sudden and rapid and it makes you kind of act out of character at times. But like if you break it down, like taking a step back from it for just a second to think before acting, that's a huge thing with relationships, especially because you involve two different people with two different emotions. Um, And then the other part of it is like 
anybody else can do what they want to do. And we're not responsible for that when we're responsible for ourselves. It's like, are you okay with who you're being? Like, are you okay with who they're, the person they're bringing out of you? Like, if you're constantly getting triggered, that might be a, a, something to like remember too. Cause like not every, again, not everybody's for you. And like, yeah. it's, it's tough. Cause you have to weed out the people who are like, maybe don't even have the patience to handle mm-hmm. your wounds. Cause at the end of the day, if you walk into a relationship with triggers and wounds, that person has to extend some kind of softness and patience with you too. Exactly. Yeah. And I've been told too, like, like your history isn't good. I'm like, that's not, can't think of the word like that's not like a that's hurtful first of all like that's not something to I want someone to say like hey your story is I appreciate it like I appreciate who you are today and I'm like that's made you who you are I don't want to be shamed for it and but you can see in yourself that um you extend to other people what you would hope for in return so if you if someone tells you their story and you're like wow that's really deep that must have been really hard you don't categorize them as like, oh, too much baggage. You look at them as, wow, look at how much they overcame. Like, look at what the person that they are now, how far they've come. I can relate to that. I can understand that because I've had the same journey. And we've all been through different sets of things, but like the compassion element, like can you extend the softness to them? And if you have it, like the, the people you'll see that with a lot are the people who can't accept their own deeply rooted trauma. So they judge other people because they're like, I'm not comfortable sitting with my own. So why am I going to sit with yours? You know what I yeah. mean? Like that shows you a person who has a limited tolerance. And those limited tolerance people are usually the people who are abusive. I'm not saying all of them are, yes. but I'm saying they tend to be the ones who are because they don't know how to handle their own emotion. If you can't sit with emotion long enough, like you will act out. If you don't know how to sit with anger, if you don't know how to sit with sadness, that sadness can turn to anger. You can lash out at people yeah, or like treat people a certain way because you don't know how to manage your own emotion. Yeah. And that's really hard to do to learn in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned to do just sit by myself and be with my emotions. Like no TV, nothing, just be in my house and just digest my own emotions and see what is rational and what's not. Exactly. And asking yourself the hard questions. Yeah. And Challenging like, your thoughts. Yeah. And see, like, what is this healthy? Can I do this? And that's how I really learned to navigate myself. Yeah. And that's it's it's really beautiful to see the evolution for yourself because you're like, once you start uh, going down that growth journey and you start questioning those thoughts, you notice that they happen less often. They may still come up every once in a while, but like they don't come up half as much those intrusive thoughts, the thoughts that don't feel like you, they feel like they're your past you, they don't happen as often. And when they do come up, you're like, ooh, that's not a helpful thought. Let me gear myself in a different direction. Let me look at it a different way. Let me try to, uh, you know, read this or listen to this or break out of that mindset somehow. It's like that we constantly have um, ways to grow in the sense of like, we can't control our thoughts, but we aren't our thoughts. We are our choices. Yes. Yes, yeah. Where what exactly we, do you choose to act on that thought? You could have a million thoughts and only act on 10 of them. That's what makes you who you are. Not the thought, who you choose to be after you had that thought. So I think it's interesting, though, because a lot of people don't have self-control like that uh, to say, like, I'm not. They believe their thoughts are them. So they're like, I had that thought, so I need to act on it. That's who I am. I'm going to act on it. Because I think that's the that's the easy route. The easy route is to just be like, this is who I am. I am who I am. There's a lot of people who walk around and say, I am who I am. Exactly, yeah. 
I've heard that like with generational things, like yeah. this is how I am. This is how we are. That's that. And I didn't no learn any girls. better. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I didn't learn any better. Nobody taught me any different, but it's our responsibility to teach ourselves when we're not kids anymore. And we realize how human our parents were and are when we get older mm-hmm. and yeah. we don't have to like, if it's not a helpful lesson, we don't have to listen anymore because we're our own adults now. And where we were like, oh, I wish they would have done that better. We can show better to our kids. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like that actually kind of remi- or takes me back to actually something uh, a friend of mine said recently, or no, actually he said a while ago, but he was having a lot of issues in relationships with girls. Like he had a, he had a fiance and they were together for like three and a half some odd years that were going to get married and she wound up breaking up with him. Like just kind of like she was already kind of like distancing herself from him over Mm -hmm. like a period of a few months. And then one day she just now the way she kind of did it was pretty bad, but she just totally pretty much cut it off at that point um, after a while. And one of the things, so he, of course, was really upset about it. And, uh, you know, and he was just telling me, he goes, well, he says, I can, I don't agree with how she did it, but I can understand why she did it. And I was like, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, I was toxic. And I was like, in what way? He goes, well, there was no malintent behind it, but I put everything on her. He was like, I was not responsible enough for myself and my own feelings and yes. I kind of put everything on her at the end of the day and it just got to the point where she couldn't handle it. And then one of the things was he he goes, I never learned like responsibility and total self-accountability in that regard. But then one of the things is, is he kind of, he didn't totally blame, but he did kind of say when it came to his father, he just goes, you know, I do hold some some bad emotions, I guess, towards my dad. And I was like, why? He goes, well, he says, honestly, my my father never really taught me to be a man in that regard. So, yeah. So I guess like, you know, we, you know, we do look back and we do see how like how our parents were and just how human they are, because as a kid, you know, you're growing up and you kind of you you almost kind of look at them, not that you totally think of them as gods, but you think of them as this end all be all of knowledge and everything just because they're the ones taking care of you. You know, they're the ones that take you to school. They take you here. They take you there. They do X, Y, and Z. So, you know, it gets to the point where eventually one day, you know, you get a little bit older, I guess, around our age and you kind of think, oh, well, no, you know, that's not exactly (laughs) correct. Not that I ever thought my parents were correct. I always grew up like if they were here right now, they'd tell you both. They're like, Ray never listened to anything we said. Like if we told him to do this, he he never did it. He would just, and I was just that type too. I was the type, I also just didn't want to do it. But I also had this mindset of like, just because you told me to do it, I'm not going to do it. Or just because you told me not to do it, I'm going to do it now or, or something like that. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah, that that's how I was growing up. But, and there are certain things, yeah, like I, I still maintain, I'm like, you know, there are certain things I talked about recently with my dad and I, you know, certain things that happened when I was a kid and, you know, it, it, and to this day, we still disagree. It wasn't like, oh, Ray got a little bit older and now suddenly he agrees and he sees why I, you know, X, Y, and Z happened or why I did this and, you know, and stuff because I was an adult and he was a kid and he just didn't understand. No, I still look back and I'm like, no, if I had to do it all over again, I'd still do the same damn thing. Like, and, and stuff. And I'm saying that now at the age of 30, almost 31 and stuff. And he's, and, but he of course disagrees. He maintains his position back then. And he's like, ah, but like, yeah. So I can, I guess I can understand the complexities of a situation and why people do certain things, but yeah, you don't always agree with it. 
you are responsible in that regard as, as you get a little bit older. You're like, mm, no, like I'm responsible for this X, Y, and Z. I think the biggest thing to remember with that too is, is the there's the people who talk about their situations from the victim mentality, which I am not saying, I mean, there the things that have happened to people who are victims, that is real. It's raw. It hurts. However, when you live under the weight of them forever and you can't say, what did I do to put myself in position? And that's not to talk about childhood because when yeah. you're a childhood, you don't have a choice but to be there. You don't have a choice. But when you're an adult, all of the things that you choose to involve yourself in, they are technically our responsibility. Yes. You have to be a willing participant to be involved in that. Exactly. And and that's the hard part about it because you want to feel bad that they did because what they did, that doesn't mean that what they did was okay or right by any means, but it's saying, I'm taking the power here and saying, I can change this situation from ever happening in my future. Like, I can't change the past and I can't change what I chose then and what they did to me and all those other things, but I can change making sure that I don't make the same choices again in my future. And if you don't ever self-reflect like that and you don't ever look back at your past and say, like, where did I put myself in line of this? Like, shots fired, it hit me for a reason because I put myself in position to be right in front of the gun. Like, knowing how to get yourself away from that before it even gets to that point. Like, do you trust yourself? If you can't say, like, I had some part in this by choosing, then most likely it will happen again because it's like the power isn't with you. It's with the person who did what they did to you. And it will always be like that. And you'll always fall under the weight of that, unfortunately. And that's part of the healing process that I don't think a lot of people talk about because um, we like to lump things into categories again, victim um, and, and then the perpetrator. Yeah. So like I look back at my situations and I'm like, I was a victim, but I was also a perpetrator because I inflicted that on myself by staying. I did. They didn't. They didn't make me stay. I chose to stay. Even if like circumstances are are like someone's like, oh, if you leave, I'm going to kill you type of thing. Yeah, that's that's real, too. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, did were there any things that you did to find the resources that you need to have to get out of that situation? Like there's always an answer. There's always a solution. But like, did you fight for it? And if you didn't, then. Yeah. One of the things that my grandmother, I guess, passed down to my mom and my mom passed this down to me, which is you can't necessarily control like what people do to you. But yeah, obviously you can, you control how you react to it. But at the same time, or here was the saying, basically, you know, it went, don't ever let anyone do you dirty. So if any, if somebody does something that, and they wrong you, it's like, okay, like you have, you have the ability to be like, okay, well, you know, I don't need you. See you later. You can walk away from it. But if you do stay in that particular situation, it's like, okay, like once that happens, like everything and anything that happens afterwards, like technically is your fault. You know what I mean? Like you, you are a willing participant. It's unfortunate to see the world as, as that too, as a bunch of people in it who it's hurt people, hurting people all over the place. Yeah. It's just Be a cycle. Yep. Because even those people that are doing the very malicious things, it helps me when I feel bad for them because I know that at some point they had to have experienced something that led them to that point. They didn't make good choices and it's not right for them to hurt other people, but they are still hurting themselves. That's the humanity in it. When we look at someone as just a human, not as like a, 
not in a malicious way, I guess, ourselves to look at someone in a malicious way is not helpful for us because that's what hardens you. And that's what makes you stereotype other people. And that's what makes you feel like it's black and white. Like either you're a good person or a bad person. Everybody has the capacity to be a good person. And sometimes people are more leaning on the bad side than the good side. But that doesn't mean that they're like completely horrible all the time. That's true. That's very true. That's kind of like an ugly truth Mm -hmm. that you find in people. Exactly. And you don't have to stay around them. You can be aware of that and be like, well, I'm not going to deal with that in my life, though. They might be sometimes good and a lot of the times bad, but I'm not going to have that in my life. But it's like the way that you perceive them. Like, I won't talk badly about my previous situations, like the people from my previous situations, because all it does is bitter my heart. If I speak badly of them, I can feel myself giving into that feeling of like, I'm I'm so much better than them. And like, they did all this wrong stuff. And like, that's, there's just a horrible person. How is that helpful for me? It doesn't change what they did to me. It doesn't change who I am. Like today, I would not be who I am without that experience. And I chose it for myself too. Like forgiveness is hard because you have to let go of the grudge. And the grudge is so nice to sit in because you get to be mad at somebody who did you wrong and it's justified, but it doesn't help. It's like drinking the poison. That's why they say the bitterness is drinking your own poison. You're poisoning yourself because that's not helpful. Like you're never going to grow from that feeling. It's never going to blossom into something beautiful where you're like, wow, I... I feel so great today because I'm so mad at this person. That's not a realistic thing. Yeah. Giving up, again, giving up the ego, giving up the pride, giving up the stubbornness. Can you can you sincerely say like, I'm going to step away from this, not because they d- deserve my forgiveness, not because they deserve uh, to be let off the hook, but because it's not my job to punish them for what they did to me because it makes me no better than them if I try to punish them for what they did. Yeah. Um. It took me a long time to get past that. After I felt like a sense of sympathy, mm-hmm. it's like something like they've had to go through so much to be this damaged as they are. Exactly. Their whole life. Exactly. And that took me like a long time to do that. And it's, it is forgiveness and healing for me, but I also realized like this person just, I've known some struggles, but I never really seen it because I wasn't there for it. But like they have to have, they were born a person a blank person, their baby, they've had to go through a lot of issues to be damaged. I, I'm aware of some of them, but like it's probably goes so past of what I know. Exactly. So it's like I, I view them as a person, not like the history we have. Exactly. And that's that's the it's the hard part about it, because we'll never truly understand why. And I think a lot of us want closure. We want the why. And we can't let it go until we feel like we know the why or like we want an answer from them or we want them. We want our redemption by seeing them suffer because we think it's going to make it feel better. But it doesn't. The closure comes from us. It comes from letting it go. Yeah. And it comes from seeing them as a human who's flawed. They're not in our lives anymore. You know, yeah. that's, that's, that's a the good thing. Yeah. That's the, you chose. You already chose to save yourself. You saved yourself. They have nothing left to do with your journey. You're out. That's like, that's your relief. That's your freedom. That's your closure. You're out. Yeah. I think it makes me angry to be like, almost like you are the reason I am the way I am today. But it's not like you're not responsible for like my growth because I made a choice to do that. But it's like, I don't want them to have a part of like my success in a way. Or to impact your potential happiness because carrying that around like the chip on your shoulder, like the every time you get triggered, you're like, damn them. 
They did this to me. That's why I can't have a good relationship. They did this to me. Then it takes the accountability off of that person. And it's like, oh man, now I don't have to do anything to fix it because I can just blame them the rest of my life. A lot of people get caught up in that because it's like, you avoid growth that way. Whereas you learned, Allie, to to grow through it because you recognize the trigger and you're like, I'm going to be better than that. You're not defined by your trigger. You're overcoming it. Right. So a lot of it's hard. It's That's the tougher route. It's hard because it's easier to blame someone else. It feels better to blame someone else. But honestly, in the end, you won't be happy, uh, you know, with the person you become if, if that's all you know how to do. So Yeah. I think I am at a point of healing. Um like I'm so far through this through this journey. Other people aren't. They're in like the beginning stages. I realized like after a year of being away, I was like, why do I still have these these issues or like this feeling? I didn't know it was gonna be like a years and years of work I would have to do. And I think that's sometimes why people stay. Like I'm not strong enough to go through that. I thought when I was gone, that's it. Like my life just changed. It's not true at all. The aftermath is often worse because yeah. then you are stuck with, so it's like uh, the familiar pain that we talked about. Instead of them inflicting the pain on you, you're now inflicting it on yourself in yeah. different ways because you're so used to it that you're like, and you start to resent yourself because it's like, how could I have ever let that happen? You're mad yeah. at yourself for a long time too. You have to forgive yourself, not just that person, but forgive the part of you that chose that when you were in it. Yes. Yeah, Exactly. So it's like the, the the levels to forgiveness. And it's easy to say, like, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to forgive it. There are moments where things will still come up. Again, those thoughts you can't control. Moments where you're like, I hate this person and I hate what they did to me. And I feel this pain like it just happened yesterday. But it's like you're more resilient. So when it comes up, you're like, I can handle this now because I've grown past it. And I can let it go because I already know that I've gone down this road before. Like, I already set the map for myself. How do I get out of this? already did it before and then it's like faster in fact that's how that's how healing develops it's such a gradual increase of like resilience every day it gets easier if you and but that's the thing about healing it's like time heals it but effort does too you can't you can't heal without the effort like you can wait 10 years and you'll still feel the same pain if you're not actively working on it so that's the other part of healing that unfortunately like you got to tap into that pain until you feel like you're ready to just overcome it like willingly walk into the lion's den yeah what i've realized is it makes me angry because it feels like that's my identity like what happened to me is who i am and i think that's so ugly like that makes me so mad and i feel like it's just gonna follow me for years i'm just gonna have this like i'm like this because of what happened to me or this is my story it's like i don't know how i don't know how to escape that yet i haven't come that far and I think a big thing to remember with that too is is the low moments when you are like, that's the person that I am still. Like you can't let it go because you're like, I was in that, in, like I was that person. I was in that for so long. How do I let that person? Because you don't know how to survive without being that person. You lived all that part of your life identifying as that. So it's like you have to mourn the loss of the person that you were before. You have to mourn it. Because you're going to, there are parts of it where you may miss the innocence that you had from before when you were naive and ignorance is bliss and all these other things. Like if you experienced something in your childhood, you were robbed of a childhood that could have been great. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you had to harden yourself too early on in life and you didn't get to experience like some of those innocent things that other people got to, 
you become like bitter and resentful because you're like, I should have experienced better than that. I, I deserve better than that. Those circumstances you can't change when it's outside of your like decision-making realm. Like as adults, we can take accountability for that. But like as kids, we can't, we couldn't have protected ourselves and the people who were supposed to protect us didn't. Yeah. Or maybe they didn't even know what was happening. Like whatever the situation is, like what you needed, you didn't get. So like that is a hard pill to swallow and to say like, oh, I should be happy now. Why am I not happy now? Why I have everything I wanted now. Why am I not happy yet? Because that like the weight of that situation still sits because it's been there for so long. Like, I don't think we ever truly let it go. But I think like we learn to like parent ourselves in a way. Yes, exactly. Like something that helped me um, tapping back into those memories and giving myself a new narrative. So I would tap back into like moments where I remembered myself in a situation that I was like, oh my gosh, that should have never happened. And I envisioned myself, the person I am today, showing up for that little girl. I walk into that room and I save her. And that's my new narrative. It may not be real, maybe an illusion, mm-hmm. but I show up for me now. Yeah. And I got her. I'm, I may have not been helped before, but I got her. So that's like, it's, it's like, it's, it's healing when you, to readdress it is hard, but it's healing when you see yourself show up in the way that somebody should have showed up for you. Yeah, I've never thought about it, anything like that. That's actually very like healing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard, but give yourself the new narrative. Give yourself the new, like that may not be a real memory, but it's the memory you give yourself. It's what you give yourself. It's the belief system you have about yourself. Like it, it's, you can't change it but you can reframe it. Yeah. Make it a movie, you know, in your head. What like movie that. do you reference back to? Yeah. Some yeah. people may call it, you know, it, you know, ignorant bliss, but again, I would rather I would rather reflect back like that and live a beautiful life than stay stuck under the wounds forever. Yeah, I have not done that. I've always avoided it. Like any memory is just gone. Um so maybe that's something I should apply to my life and just kind of heal myself from that. I feel like it's very powerful. It, it's it's uh, usually the things that we run from are the things we need to uh, address the most. Yeah, that's also another thing I've realized with my life. Like from growing up, it's more like an avoidant and I'm not the best at addressing what's the issue, which is something I'm working on now. And, the, and that's the crazy thing, because you probably in survival mode learn to run. You were the runner. F- fight, flight, freeze, fawn, flight. But now you don't have to be in survival mode anymore. How do you let go of that survival mode? You don't have to keep protecting yourself the same way you did before. You're safe now. How do you tell yourself? I know. That you're it's safe? Like, like what I said earlier, like when do I know to just completely erase something? Like my defense mechanisms, like. Do I get rid of them? Do I not get rid of them? Do I keep them like in my back pocket for life or like what do I do? Yeah, because that's, I mean, I think it's, again, it's like it's useful when it's necessary. So like survival mode is our basic instinct. Like that will protect us when we're in an emergency situation where our life is actually threatened. However, treating every situation like that, being hypervigilant all the time will create an anxious state always. Like you're expecting the worst at every moment of the day. But finding that middle ground where it's like, I know my safe space. I know my safe people. I set my life up. So I know 
If I'm outside my element, I can keep my guard up. If I'm within the safe walls, I can let it down with the right people in the right situations under the right circumstances. Yeah. And that's so hard to get to. Um, I feel like right now, like with my healing, I've done so much, but I do. There's some things I have to address still. Um, but I definitely, my way of reflecting is like, it's very healing to me because I see how far it came. Yeah. And that's the that's the crazy part. Like a lot of people forget to give themselves like a pat on the back for how far they came. Even if it's like a couple steps forward, that's a victory. And then say you take a couple steps back, that's still a victory because you're farther than where you were before. Like <laughs> the low moments are just as important as the high because the low moments show us where we still need to grow and where we still need to heal. And I don't think that the journey is ever over. No, life is about growth, exactly. constant growth. Exactly. As soon as we're comfortable enough to say, like, I'm done growing, that's when life stops. Yeah. yeah. And what's the point after that? Our purpose is to make ourselves the best version possible so that we can offer the world what we're supposed to give it. And we constantly have to fight for that. Like, that's not anything that's worth anything in this world to somebody they had to fight for. Everything that's important you've had to strive for. But again... Can you give yourself the moments of peace too? Like as much as we fight, fight, fight for growth and try to heal, it's the peaceful moments where can you like take yourself out of those memories for a minute and just sit in your current life and say like, I'm going to appreciate this moment because I gave myself the ability to get to this point where I can now sit in peace, whether you're by yourself or with somebody else, like let that wall down, let that guard down because you created a safe enough life to let it down. Try like try a little bit of that every day. And then the weight becomes a little bit lighter. Yeah, that's amazing to hear. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I try to offer up anything that I can um, because I think when you stay stuck in, in, in the mentality long enough and you're like, wow, I really need to. I learned everything that I've learned from other people, too. Like I take like I said um, earlier, Ray, when I was talking to you, I said I educate myself every day in multiple facets. I take uh, motivational videos. uh from like things from therapists, things from relationship counselors and all this. I take a culmination of everything that I've learned, everything I watch, everything I read, and I gauge it to what I need in my life. And then I share it with other people because I think that's the best way to heal the world. Share your healing. Share your methods. Yeah. One person, their their entire life could change from just a little bit of your shared journey, like with the, you sharing your journey with them and letting them know, like, this is how I got to where I am right now. And I hope you get there too, whether it's using this method or not, but like, maybe this could help. Here you go. You offer it up. And that's like what we were talking about when it's like, you try to do something that's not for you. You try to do it for, for some, someone that's outside of you. It's healing in and of itself because you know that what you're putting into the world is good and you can be like happy with that, content yeah. with that. I think we're on the way today, like through TikTok, Instagram, whatever it is, with people putting their stories out and stuff like that, just getting to people. That is kind of what we're doing, like adding healing to the world, even if it's not like in front of you. Exactly. They can just go on TikTok and find it. You can reach anybody in the world. Anybody in the world can get impact from what you have to say. Like there's translations and everything on TikTok too. Like I didn't even know that. They have like automatic translations now where like you'll get the little captions at the bottom and so you'll know what someone's saying even if it's not in the same language you speak. And I have to say there's like, it, it's it's beautiful to see that so many people are working on themselves 
but I find myself um, feeling like a bittersweet feeling at the same time because it's hard to see how many people are suffering. That's very true. Like everybody has some kind of internal battle. No and matter what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that kind of brings me back to like, I guess one of the things I was thinking earlier, which was like, is, is that unique to our generation or is that like, cause I don't think it was talked about. Yeah. It may not have been talked about. I'm really not sure just because it just seems like the previous generations, like that just not, not that it, it couldn't have been, but it just seems like either it wasn't talked about or it just wasn't a thing just because now there are certain people, certain groups of people, they live in certain bubbles. But, you know, I have spoken to like my parents and like other people of their generation. And they're just like, you know, that and like even in high school, when I was in high school, like because I went to, you know, a pretty high school around here that, you know, was full of a lot of troubled youth. And I remember one of the teachers, she was like 50 years old at the time. And she was just kind of like, you know, I see and I hear about some of the things that you guys go through today as kids. She was like my generation we weren't dealing with that growing up she's like we just we weren't that was not something you really heard about i think information being readily accessible for us is a beautiful thing but our parents didn't have that and that's what and that's actually um even going and tapping into the healing element of it that's how i forgave because i realized they did the best they could with the information they had just like anybody does you do the best you have based on what you know they didn't have the books, they didn't have the audios, they didn't have the videos, they didn't have social media. All these elements where we are learning and growing from, like what we were just talking about, people open up their stories, you learn TikTok, all that. They didn't have that back then. Nobody talked about things. Everybody just shoved everything deep down inside or just dealt with it because it was expected that you just deal with it. And now our generation is breaking generational curses because we're finally able to open them up and say like, shine light on it. That's not normal. It was normalized. Like some of these like uh, hitting your kid was normal back in the day. Like that was a real thing. Like you could literally get away with anything as a parent. Nobody cared what you did as a parent in the past versus now. There's actual laws that are in place. There's people who like are aware of what it makes a good parent and a bad parent. Not saying that everybody does what they're supposed to do, but we're aware of it now. And that's part of the hard, I think our generation is either someone continues the generational curse or they choose to break it. Choosing to break it is harder than continuing it, enabling it and continuing it on from generation to generation to generation. We give the basis of love to our children. So like however we treat them is how they're going to treat people or expect other people will treat them in the future. Yeah. And then it was taught that like your business stays in your house. So like the neighbors down the block don't know, but you could gossip about each other. Yeah. Nowadays, everyone knows everything. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And, but every and it's like everybody hates it because they're like, why is everybody talking about da 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 and just spewing their business everywhere? Why not? Yeah. Why can't we talk? It's ours to talk about. Another thing, we have our stories and we're allowed to say it however we want to, whether it's healthy or not healthy or ho however, it's our story. If someone else is involved, that's on us to decide whether or not we want to talk about that. You know, like, you know, in your heart of hearts, what's right and what's wrong. And like, nobody else can speak on someone else's journey or say like, no, that story, no. 
it's we all live by our story and we are able to share it like now freely more than ever freedom of speech everybody likes to say that when it's convenient but really in in today's day and age like it is used probably now more than ever in a positive way yes yeah because we can shed light on those things that need to be talked about yeah and that kind of goes with you know one of the things that uh a friend of mine Kyara, told me recently was he because we were talking about the issues today in society and we were also talking about things that happened generations back and you know what our generation will be known for and he sincerely believes and i agree with him which is that we will be known as the fixer generation we will be the generation that kind of comes about and fixes things on pretty much almost every level, if you will, you know, not trying to bash or trash any of the previous generations, because there was a lot of things that they, that they did that were good that we enjoy today, which, you know, the very fact that we have phones and smartphones and we're able to reach people around the world, much of that technology was developed by baby boomers or a gen X or something of that sort. And, um, but there were of course, certainly a lot of problems that came, you know, certain things that they did. There's always going to be bad seeds though. So that's not to say that everybody's in this world trying to heal everything and grow everything and all that. Cause like there's plenty of people who feed and and that's where we have to remember, like what, what is the majority of the population doing? Probably not growing and healing because that's not what it looks like in the world when you just look at circumstances and things that are emphasized on social media or media in general it's like the the, we're not in an era of healing like if we were in an era of healing we would see like what i was talking about earlier all the positive stuff being emphasized and and not so much of this like tearing each other apart negativity but like the problem is we a lot of people fall into the category of I'm going to do what everybody else is doing. And I don't like using the term sheeple because I don't believe it's a sheeple thing. I think it's you. Some people just don't have the brain that works in an analytical way. They don't have, everybody has a niche. Some people thinking is their niche. Other people using their hands is their niche. There's some people just don't, their brain doesn't work that way. So like, they'll just go with whatever they think is right based on what everybody else is doing. Not everybody is a leader. A majority are followers for a reason because they don't, they're not like, that's not their duty. That's not like what their job is in the world. Like they bring something, something to the world, but not everybody can be a leader. Then nobody would listen to each other. Like we can't all just be leading. So they're important. However, unfortunately, because it's out of our control, sort of like what the media is doing and what people are emphasizing, public figures, like what they're talking about, what yes. they're showing people, but they're the ones who are looked at the most. So we can do what we can do, but at the same time, like extend grace to those people that don't know any better, especially previous generations. They just did what they thought was normal because that's what they were uh, shown. That's what they were told. That's what they, that's all they knew. Same in this generation. Like we may have all this information, but you have a to lot use of, it. Yeah. Like a lot of people are like, who am I to question the norm? What is norm? Like what the fact that there's even a normal out there is ridiculous to me. There is no normal. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a spectrum of like normal exists on such a wide spectrum that there is like nothing is normal. Everybody has different normals. Yeah. What's normal to one person would not be normal to another. It's preference. What in reality, what normal is to someone is just their preferences. Yeah, that that that's a good way of putting it. But you know, one of the things actually kind of going back to like media and society and all these things going on, it seems like much of what 
is out there now. Like our generation, if like kind of, as you said, like there's not a ton of healing really going on and everyone's like talking about that. I guess that's not totally what's glorified on many levels. What I think is really glorified in our generation really is showing off. Everyone is like, everyone's on Instagram. Everyone's on TikTok trying to be like, you know, I mean, you got like the girls that are showing off a lot. And you got guys that are showing off a lot too, but also going back to like what you said in the very beginning, like that's, that's almost like the staple, like that's just like what sells and everything too. And then there's also like the controversy behind it too. If you ever notice and like, and I watch them too, like whether it's Netflix, Paramount plus, um, prime video, there's all these drama shows. Like if you ever notice, like the, they, they usually advertise what, like five or six different shows, at least three or the four are just like straight drama. Others are like action packed, maybe, but mixed in with that bit of drama and stuff. And and everyone like they they feed into it. Like they look at it, they're like, oh, like so. I don't know. It's just I like, love a drama show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's like like I do too. Like I look at certain things. I'm like, whoa. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. And then it's like people love conflict as much as they say that they don't like it. They love it. And especially yeah. if you can be the outsider looking in, you're not in actually invested in the conflict. You just watch it like eating your popcorn, watching oh, these yeah, people yeah. freak out. That's why people love reality shows. You're watching other people make a fool of themselves and you're not a part of it. You don't face any of the repercussions of that, but you watch someone else be completely irrational and crazy and you're like, this is hilarious. Like, why are they acting like that? It's just part, I think it's part of, uh, it's it's the observer. Like you, you like to see the stuff happening and it's like, it's kind of funny. And it's the same thing though, with some people who have like this very deep desire to want to watch like scary things or action, like very action packed things. There's like, um, uh, a rush of adrenaline that comes with certain things like that. It gives you like, a an unfortunate, it's sad, but unfortunately a lot of people do seek those things out because it's like they're used to having like this this crazy thing happening in their life so it's like if nothing crazy is happening in your life currently you're going to seek out some sort of like adrenaline rush through something else so like you you get addicted to that feeling and you try to find the feeling in anything that you can so it's like it can be healthy and unhealthy because it's yeah. like where's the balance you get a hit of dopamine from it that's what it is you're getting that dopamine hit whether it's scrolling whether it's watching something whether it's like whatever it is it's all about like dopamine reward and you're trying to give yourself that. But like where people get lost in it is um, you should be feeding yourself that with what you're doing in your life too. So like not needing those little things all the time. Like you can have them. Yeah. It's like a little reward. Like, yeah, I'm going to relax, kick back, watch this. But then is that your purpose in life? Like, is that where you're getting your dopamine from every day, all day? Like where, where is it coming from? Or are you feeding into a purpose beyond that? Like, are you actually fueling yourself or are you just like, glazing over your day with like little dopamine hits here and there doing nothing that's really changing your life but you're like robot mode like this is what i'm gonna do and that's what a lot of people i think it's like the default what's the default now referencing back to you talking about people showing off on social media it's the era of recognition everybody wants to be a somebody because it's like unless you leave your mark on the world and everybody knows who you are then your life meant nothing yeah, that's what's yeah. emphasized. And that's where people are lost. They're trying to be a somebody and they step on other people to be a somebody. They're so desperate to be a somebody that they do the wrong thing to try to be a somebody. That's a real thing. The yeah. attention is very real. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They want the attention. They want the recognition. People love that as much. Everybody wants that. I'm not even saying that I like I'm the type of person where I ha- when I f- have those feelings, I have to check it. I have to ask myself, why is that? 
Why do I need that? And it's typically because we don't always give it to ourselves. Like when we're talking about growth, Allie, not patting yourself on the back. Why are we not giving ourselves recognition? Why are we not celebrating ourselves? You don't need other people to celebrate you. You can celebrate you. It doesn't feel as showy or crazy or like big because it's not as like much of a hit of dopamine. But like, why are we not already celebrating ourselves? And why do we have to feel like we're going to be remembered in some really crazy significant way to feel like our life mattered? Or like, we don't have to step on other people. We can all make it to the finish line. But it's like, where do you make that divide between needing to be recognized and just existing and like trying to be a good person while you're here and the people you impact while you're here, that can be your happiness. Like you don't have to be known by everybody. Like maybe that's just not in the cards. Sometimes it's really cool if you can because like, but there's, there's a pressure in that too. The more recognition you get, the more pressure there is to be perfect all the time. You're in the public eye. Everybody's going to watch you. They're going to hyperanalyze everything you're doing. They're going to criticize everything you do and say. So there's the flip side of the coin. Like everybody says they want it until they get it. And then you see them depressed and miserable because there's a pressure that comes with it. Yes. I will be the first person to say my TikTok page has grown a lot and it's been so much pressure that I have taken myself away from it sometimes because I'm like, I don't. I wished I had posted it anonymously because it's like, that's not, I want to help people, but I don't want to be looked at like I'm some, I'm just like everybody else. I have my flaws. I don't want somebody to idealize me because of what I, I'm trying to do for people. I want them to get help, but I'm not, I'm not like, oh, like look up to me. That's not what it is. Cause I don't think that what I'm doing is like any different than what anyone else could do. Everybody has their story. I just happen to be talking about it. Like, Mm -hmm. there's so many other people like me. And there's people who, like, hesitate to talk about their stuff. And I'm like, you could help so many people. I have a conversation with someone. I'm like, dang, you have so much potential. Like, I wish you weren't so afraid, you know? Yeah. And that kind of goes with, I think, the other thing, too, is with this hyper this hyper attention society and this glorified of everything, you know, everyone's trying to show off everyone. People are are afraid to be themselves too. Like there's some people out there. Yeah. Like they really live that life. They're out there, they're doing whatever Miami beach or, you know, all that other good stuff. But there are a lot of other people out there, I guess that are, you know, like us, or they don't want to speak on that experience maybe, or their experiences just because it's not, it's not the glorified, okay, you know, being on the beach in a bikini doing this or, you know, you know, going to the club and doing X, Y, and Z. Yes. And yeah, so a lot of people, they're, they're afraid to, I guess, be authentically themselves, yeah. you know, and they're afraid to just kind of put certain things out there, you know, because I struggled with certain things like that for a while. Like I always really wanted to like start a YouTube page and, you know, and I did eventually, but I was a little afraid to kind of put certain things out there. And actually, I started something else recently, too, like a motivational channel on but on a different platform called Rumble. And I was putting things out there. And part of me was a little bit like, who the hell is actually going to listen to this? Like, are they actually or and certain things I was saying too, like some of my experiences and the things that I was doing, it wasn't it wasn't the classic, oh, okay, yeah, just go do this and this is the magical secret and this is this and oh, you know, you gotta be a super blah blah blah. Like, no, like I wasn't gonna put any of that out there just because I knew like it wasn't authentically like me, 
Am I actually doing any of that? Like, am I actually living that? Do I actually really believe in any of that type of stuff? Really? Like, eh, like even if I do, it's not actually what I'm doing. So I'm like, this is what I'm going to put out. But then I still went ahead and I did it anyway, because I just said to myself, like, you know, I won't fail being my most authentic self. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can be proud of like whatever I put out because that's just that's me at the end of the day. You know, I can feel comfortable that it just being me. But there was a certain level of discomfort, kind of like people might might look at him and be like, who the hell, who the hell is this guy? Like, he's not preaching like what, you know, maybe what, um, who, who, like Conor McGregor or Floyd Mayweather and some of the rest of those guys might be saying people are afraid, I guess, to be authentically themselves. And, you know, like take, for example, too, um, a friend of mine, my uh, friend, Chad, actually, who I had on the podcast uh, last time, he's done a lot of things like he has done, had a lot of self healing over the years. And, you know, I was very proud of him you know, for that. And, you know, I would say on a very holistic and large level, he knows himself, He knows himself. There are certain things like he does or doesn't do. And he's just kind of like, you know, I realize I do, or I don't do X, Y, and Z. Therefore, I don't really get ahead when it comes to maybe this or that he says, but I'm not going to go ahead and do those things just because it's just not me, Mm -hmm. you know, and stuff. So I gave him a lot of credit for that. I was like, good for you. But there are certain things too. Like one thing, like he found that he really loves and enjoys is cooking a lot. And he makes like some of these like really like nice dishes, food, whatever. And he takes like, you know, pictures of it. And it looks almost like it came out of a restaurant. Like it's like crossed a certain way. It's got like a garnish on it or something. It looks like something that that would come out of a five, uh, five star restaurant. But I told him, I was like, dude, I was like, go like start a YouTube channel, start like Instagram reels or something, go on TikTok and start. And he just like, he was like, Oh yeah, I've given it some thought, but you know, I just don't know. Like, and I could just tell there's, there's elements of him. He's not officially, he's not totally comfortable with himself or at least not on that level. And he's not willing to, I guess, be authentically a hundred percent himself, or maybe he is, but he's just not totally comfortable with doing that. So he hasn't leaped in, you know, in that regard, but yeah. We're all afraid of being judged. Oh, I think yeah. that's yeah. what it comes down to. Like we all, people silently judge. Oh, yeah. People who don't even say something, they silently judge. But it's always remembering people project. So whether it's out of envy, whether it's out of the fact that they just don't happen to like the same things as you, or maybe they you're addressing something they're not comfortable with, people always will be judgmental in some way or like find a reason not to like something because that's just the nature of a human trying to again box things categorize things whether or not it's positive like a lot of people gravitate towards negative negativity because it's easier it's harder to be positive so if you're putting positive things out there backlash will come like whether or not you're trying to be a good person like backlash will come i will tell you it was hard to get negative comments at the beginning and they flood in like crazy because the more attention you get that's that's just what it is yeah. and like i would re- reply see like, I, I used to, oh yes i <laughs> used to and when i first started my page and i'd notice them because it was like even about my appearance like people making comments about my appearance nothing about what i and all i do is talk and i'm like that's the last thing that i really care about hearing i don't that's <laughs> not on here for that I'd get so mad and I'd get so worked up. I'd sit there for hours thinking of a response and and being like, when they respond back, I'm going to find an even better response. And like, I wanted to win the conversation. I wanted to show them that they couldn't affect me. But then I asked myself, what do I have to prove to them? 
They're obviously on my page for what reason? Why they take the time to comment this? I don't know if they didn't like it. If I didn't like something, I just keep scrolling past. It's as quick as the swipe of a finger. They took the time to comment something negative. Why? Because they're probably hurting. Because, exactly. Yeah. Because yes. they're probably experiencing pain themselves and they're projecting it onto me. I just happen to be in the line of fire because I'm on a social media page. And then I was like, once I took myself out of it, I'm like, they don't even know me. They don't, they've never even met me. They don't even know me. There would, there would be people who made assumptions. They'd be like, I know you're just some trash girl that didn't know anything. And like, you probably don't heal at all. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, okay, that's fine. But like, part of me is like, all I wanted to know was who hurt you, you know, who hurt you? Yeah. What you said is absolutely correct because that's all. Do you, do you listen to Gary Vaynerchuk? Both of you guys, do you, uh, do you know who Gary Vaynerchuk is? I used to back in the day. I used to like five years ago. (laughs) Okay. So he basically said the same thing. A while ago, he was like, you know, whoever that person is that's commenting on your thing, obviously, like they took the time. That person is like incredibly hurt. And they and, and it's true. And I've experienced that too on my YouTube channel. I was I was a little surprised by this, like, but not I guess not totally, but I I, I was surprised to a certain degree. So I made a video about, you know, do guys like girls with tattoos? and stuff. And I spoke with my personal experience and I was like, yes, most definitely. And I guess, I don't know. I went into certain details about like, you know, what types, like where specifically and what I thought of it and you know, how great I thought it was. That was my first video. I think that got a really good amount of traction and you know, mm, cause the it, 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 controversial it, topic, yeah, it, it got some, it, it got some traction and then it got some like, and then of course the YouTube algorithm hit on it a little bit more. So it was like, so I kept getting views and views and views and views and views and the majority or I, so the, a lot of comments were like girls on there going, Oh, thank you. Like, that's nice to hear from a guy, blah, 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 this, this, and that. They're like, do you have any tattoos with you that does something like, you know? So the response from like the women was really, was really nice the majority of like it had a ton of really nasty and negative comments they're all from men yeah they're all like send, <laughs> go, go, going oh my god that's so terrible blah, blah blah you know um uh you know that's not attractive this isn't that you know you're 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 lying blah 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 or you you only speak for yourself this this that and the third and da, 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 or whatever and then i was just like so i but i found myself like responding to some of them and especially this one guy he was like because two comments really stuck out in my mind one guy said something like, he said, he says, I just want to smack you. This isn't that. I was like, well, f- first of all, buddy, it would be funny if you ever actually did try to smack me. Number one, I was like, so, uh, but yeah, like I was like coming back at him a little bit. And then another person, and actually I didn't come back at this. I don't know why I did. Cause I could feel myself getting a little pent up with certain like bits of anger and whatnot. But the, somebody just said something like everyone, like if you're, if you're listening to this and if you're, if you see this comment, like, don't listen to this guy. He's not a good Christian. <laughs> so I saw that and I was just like, oh my, and so, and I wanted to reply back to, but yeah, I know exactly what you mean. It's just like, there's like all this stuff. And then, and after a while I stopped responding to it. It really depended. Um, you know, I had some, some comments here and there it was like, okay, like this person's just providing like a, a non-threatening just opposing view. So I might've chimed in a little bit and been like, Hey, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, this is how I feel about it. And, you know, I kind of 
delve into the psyche just a bit. Um, but yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you mean. Like it's, there's this inclination to just respond and be kind of like, well, fuck you, you know what I mean? And <laughs> you know, you want to get back at them and it's where know. we hold our defensiveness note though, is where like we, we can work on that ourselves because our reaction is our responsibility. So when I would get upset over that, I was like, what do I really feel about I don't even know I don't even know this person so it's not just like why are they angry with me but why am I angry with them why does it take a stranger with a few words on a on a platform that is open to everybody why did it take that to upset me to rattle me Mm -hmm. I don't care about what this person really thinks or do I then there's a question do you really care about what they think what point do you have to prove like what are you trying to prove to them or what do you feel like why do you care that they're commenting something negative but you have a hundred people who say something positive and that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like I've noticed with some people, a lot of comments, like, cause there might be somebody putting something, it, it doesn't matter what it is. It, there's all these comments out there and everyone is like complimenting, like, and you know, what's funny, actually, I noticed this, especially with women, cause on TikTok, especially like there can be a girl who will post something, you know, like she might be posting her body. She's very provocative and she's like drop dead gorgeous. And all these guys. So I look in the comment section and all these guys are like drooling. They're just like, Oh God, you're, you're so beautiful. Da, 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 da. And like, she doesn't respond to anyone that's complimenting her. Everyone that's saying something nice, she doesn't yeah. respond, doesn't say a word. The one guy who says something negative, who says something like, you know, yeah, but your nose is blah, blah, blah. <laughs> she will go in on that guy. Like, like, like she'll make like a whole response, like, you know, because you can take like the comment, make a whole response video out of it. So I noticed that. I'm like, yeah, so the negativity does get more attention, if you will. Like just it's controversy. Yeah. People yeah, yeah, yeah. love the drama. The drama is what reels people in. But then it's like, but why is that? Like, why do we like that? It's negative. It shouldn't be something that we want, we're seeking out. But it's because it is, we think we have something to prove to people. If someone says that we're so afraid of someone else believing it or us being boxed and categorized a certain way that we yes. don't believe ourselves to be. So we're like, I got to make sure I'm not being stereotyped like this because I know I'm not that. But if we're solid enough with our identity mm-hmm. to say like, whether or not this person is thinking logically, whatever is happening with them. I don't care what it is that they are thinking about me because I know who I am and I'm okay with that. If everybody else in the world misunderstands me, I know who I am and I'm okay with who I am. If we're not comfortable with who we are, we will feel insecurity. Like that girl, she probably knows that she's posting like a thirst trap video, let's be honest, thirst trap video. And she's like seeking all the validation in the world and she's getting her little like validation cup fed and she's <laughs> feeling great. And then the guy comes along that takes all of it away from her because she's seeking it outwardly. So she, it's never going to end well. Like you're never, it's never going to, that cup's never going to be full. It's basically like a cup with a hole in the bottom. It's never going to be full because you're, that's like the brokenness is just revealing itself through that. So like, not saying that everybody who posts thirst trap videos are, you know, the same type of person. However, statistically, usually it's around the same. Like they're doing it because there's some, they need validation or some sort yeah. of recognition. And they really just, they needed attention. And that was the only way they thought they could get it. Yeah. I know some people who will hold, like, just completely hide their relationship. Like oh, they will not yes. post their significant other because they have that kind of content. And they're like, well, it's going to, 
hurt my content, like my my likes and stuff. So like they'll just completely hide their home life. Yeah. Like because wow. they're like, oh, people won't want me if I, they know I'm in a relationship. Yeah, so let me not post two kids. Exactly. Like that's it's so crazy to me, too, because I'm like, I don't. So I don't post a lot of my son um, because like th- my page isn't necessarily geared towards like my personal life. But I do every once in a while. And also, I'm like, I don't know who's like looking at photos and stuff. And there's all these weird people out there who are like, oh, take a photo of a kid and like save it. And I'm, I don't, my son can't necessarily give me like his okay to post him online. He's just going to say whatever, you know, yeah. he thinks I want to hear. So there's, that's, that's the difference for me. But like an, an adult relationship where you're like, hey, I'm with this person. I don't want somebody else to know about it because like, like you said, only fans, that's like a huge thing now. You know, you have people who, I mean, I'm not going to judge anyone for their choices, mm-hmm. but I can, I can see that financially that may make an impact if the person sees that there's no hope that they could get with that person. Like there's a the fantasy is what people are looking for. They want to, they see a person online and they're like, I can imagine whatever I want with this person. But when reality sets in reality, oh, they're in a relationship. That's, you know, the fantasy is gone. Yeah. I'm not really against OnlyFans. Oh yeah. I'm not either. I'm not mad at it. I just think that financially probably does make an impact if someone's like very open about the relationship. Probably. Yeah. I w- and I won't even say that 100% because a lot of the people on there like don't really care whether or not you're in a relationship or not. Yeah, of but, course. Not. Yeah, they're like, I just really want to see this person. But no, I respect OnlyFans. I would never personally do it myself. I respect it because we all have to make a living somehow. And yeah. like people make their choices and they live with their choices. Who am I to say that's right or wrong? It's not my life. Yeah. I know know, like for sex workers or like strippers, they, whatever they do, Mm -hmm. um, they have a way of making living more convenient for them. Exactly. Like I've seen people um, or girls that do porn, it's more in their terms. They can film with who they want, um, post when they want, and they're not in like a contract with somebody or someone's taking a portion of their money. See, I didn't even think about that. That's, that's amazing. It gives yeah. you freedom. Yeah. I'm I'm for that. Um, also, like an everyday girl doing it, I support it if they do it and they put the money into something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like at the end of the day, like I always look at it like that. Like it may not be something that I want to do, but like I respect it because I'm like, you do what you got to do. As long as you're not hurting yourself or anyone else, I'm cool with it. You do what you want to do. Because at the end of the day, I'm not, I'm, it's not me to judge another person. Yeah, like I've watched um, the No Jumper video, the segment with Sharp. He was a pimp. Oh, yeah. And he's like, he's so against it. But I think it's because they have their own freedom. Yeah, exactly. Oh, 1000%. Because they have nothing to, like a pimp would have nothing to gain, gain from a, an OnlyFans because like, what are they going to do? Like yeah. promote She's their in people her home, in, the- in her kitchen, yeah. doing whatever. Exactly. It takes, it's, yeah, it takes their, their power over that situation away. It takes it away. Yeah. Now, however, the only thing I don't like about the OnlyFans situation, now that we're on the topic, photographers who use people's photos on a private OnlyFans page without the knowledge of that person who they, who modeled for them. Yeah. Oh, I, wow. I do freelance modeling. I, this hasn't happened to me, but I know people who it's happened to. You can, you can choose to do a uh, boudoir or uh like nude shots or whatever, depending depending on what you're comfortable with. However, you don't. They have to they have to pay you on what they want to use. So like you they have to you have to be in some agreement that you know where your picture is going and you know how it's being used, not just like here's free reign unless you sign something. Yeah, free reign of my photo. 
that that's crazy to me that like you could be naked on a site where people are like paying to like you know do whatever with your photo but but you will never know because you just modeled for a photographer who paid you as a model but like did not emphasize the fact that like hey i'm actually putting it on this page that's shady to me and i do not respect it and i think it's completely like a way to it's a way to make OnlyFans could be a good thing for people but it's a way to make it seem like a bad thing because it's like oh but look at what people are getting away with or like say someone's ex you know, they hate them and they cheated on them and they have a bunch of nude photos. That they could make an OnlyFans and put them on there. Yeah, they wouldn't even know. They wouldn't even know because you have to subscribe to see what's on it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's like a way of like there. you can always make a good thing a bad thing. That's the only thing. I wish OnlyFans was like a little bit more like, uh, I don't know, facial recognition. Then you figure out whether or not you're on someone's page. If they have AI technology, how can they not do that? Like... figure out who's on what page so you know and actually this this is really interesting that we're getting on this topic (laughs) because because i gotta ask about so you both have snapchat right okay so you both have snapchat do you both because i i'm wondering if maybe only men are targeted when it comes to this but do you both get like a lot of like just random people following you yes and then sending you nudes i i never let them i never accept it okay I get so many. I swear to God, my, my Snapchat score has gone up just because of like all this spam, whatever. But I have so many people that follow me. And then as soon as like, so like, and I have, I have no idea who a lot of these people are. So, I mean, I'll add them back real quick because it could be somebody that I know. Like, and I'm just like, they may not have had another way of getting in touch with me or something like that. And they're like, oh, Ray, what's up or whatever. So I'll like add these people back, but then I'll see suddenly it go, it goes, so-and-so sent you a Snapchat. Jessica sent you a Snapchat. All this stuff. So I look at I'm like, the hell? and it's literally like girls like naked doing all this stuff or like, you know, por- it could literally almost be like porn. It goes subscribe here. And I'm like, I've never gotten that. Really? Okay. Cause I, I get it all the time and <laughs> it gets to the point. I'm just like, okay, block, 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 you know, and on all of them. But like, I, I literally get that. But I think what's going on because I look at the, the the profile, the Snapchat profile, and it's got like a Snapchat score of like five. And I'm like, okay. They're just making yeah, profiles. Yeah. It's, whoever it is, yeah, it, it's probably some bot that's going around somebody, but it's taking someone else's content. Yeah. And it's like putting it out there. Yeah. So I, I totally hear what you're saying. Like, you know, there's there's people's content. That's not even that person. Like whatever shady site it is, like that's not even that person though. Most of the time it's a way, it's a scam. It's yeah, like exactly. their scam. Um they usually want to probably put malware on your computer or your phone. And like, if you click on it or you subscribe to it or whatever, it's probably not legit. But a lot of the time too. um, And this is something that's like, I guess a little bit scary to think about in today's day and age. Um, There, there's people who actually use Snapchat now to uh, try to do the sex, sex trafficking. So, Oh yeah. yeah. That went around a few times. Yeah. And it's, it's cause if you give, if you give, enough information to somebody and especially if you share your location on snapchat and you don't think about it you add somebody they can see your location right then and there if you don't have it limited people don't think about those things or like the fact that like it's crazy because you're like people wouldn't oh what person would would do that like how could they live with themselves but like i put nothing past anybody like it's i'm not paranoid about it but i'm like I'm not going to add. If this person is someone I know, they're going to text me and be like, hey, I tried to add you on Snapchat however long ago. Or if we're like in contact to that point, I'm like, 
it's a little weird to me that you wouldn't be in my contacts list and you'd have my Snapchat code. Or like if I didn't give it to you myself, that like you just found me all of a sudden. I'm like so skeptical of stuff like that. I'm like, yeah. if you need something from me, you let me know ahead of time so I know to look out for it and then I'll do it. But like a lot of people don't think about that. They're like, oh, this sounds like someone I know. Let me add them, talk to them. And they might not even be that person. They could be pretending Facebook does that. People hack profiles and then they're like, messaging you pretending to be someone you think you know yeah yeah mm-hmm. and then like you know ask for money and you're like oh well we haven't seen each other for five years <laughs> yeah, but you're like oh, must okay. be really hard times or maybe you're a bot yeah exactly yeah 100 percent. so but yeah and that's the thing like yeah there, there's all that weird bot stuff that's going on nowadays and you know the the sex trafficking stuff and you know i i actually didn't know that about uh, about Snapchat. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of strange. I mean, like I said, me, I personally don't have to worry about that. I highly doubt anyone's going to come after me. For <laughs> sex trafficking. Oh. But it's like, you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, or if they do try it, just so they're like, okay, well yep, you can try. <laughs> so, but, um, and stuff, but yeah, like I don't have to particularly, you know, worry about that. But, you know, actually I, I wanted to ask you guys something else kind of, um, because it was funny, it, it actually just came to my mind because we were talking about sex trafficking now suddenly. Um, what is your opinion, the both of you guys, on Andrew Tate? Oh, Andrew Tate? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have mixed feelings. Like, at first I was like, are like people like insane, like listening to him? But he does have points about some things. Some things he's completely off and mm-hmm. I'm like, what? Yeah. But some things I'm like, I understand. Um he was also saying how it's like men should be a certain way. Like I was talking about before, pe- men have like a an ego. Yeah. They are they're supposed to be strong, this and that, which could, could be hard. Mm-hmm. They're not allowed to be soft, except with a significant other. Exactly. So yeah. some things I under I get what he's saying. Some things I'm like, no, like doesn't make any Way sense. Off. Yeah. yeah. What's well, it's that like harsh? That's what I don't like about him. Anybody who talks in really harsh terms, I'm like. You think you have it figured out? I don't want to talk to you. I yeah. have nothing to learn from you because you have nothing to learn from anybody else. Right. If you're if you think you already have it figured out, then you're not growing yourself, which means yeah. I'm not interested in in that content anymore. Like that's when you weed when you weed out who's who's like who's in who is like a positive person for growth. It's like okay, is this person actively still working on themselves? If not, I'm not interested because there's nobody in this world that has it figured out. There's always a gray area. Yeah. It's not black and white. Nothing and there, nobody has the brain knowledge to know everything about everything. I, I touched on Jordan Peterson earlier, and he is probably one of the most intelligent people I think that exists in the world. He has the greatest content. And I saw a, a podcast um, with him and another man named Andrew Huberman, who is PhD, he's a neurobiologist, uh, talks a lot about like the brain chemistry, physical things, like why our brain does certain things. Jordan Peterson's sitting there asking him questions about stuff because he doesn't know his specific field. Jordan Peterson, psychology. That's his field. This other guy, neurobiology. Two completely different subjects. Two very intelligent people, hugely intelligent people. They know their niche. They speak on their niche and they ask questions when they don't know. Jordan Peterson wasn't speaking for him and he wasn't speaking for Jordan. They asked each other questions mutually because they knew that they had something to learn from each other. That's a, a truly powerful person to me. Yeah. So like Andrew Tate, who is he talking to? Like who is he asking questions? 
Right. Or yeah. if they, or if you ask a question and they see something like, oh, this is what I think. He's probably the quickest to be like, nah, this is actually what it is. Instead of having a conversation and trying to learn. Like th- those people, I'm like, they get a lot of attention because it's controversial. Because mm. it's like either you're on his side or against him. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And I think um, some men, like probably younger men who might not have a father figure are looking at him and they're like, yeah, like this is the way the world's like. You're this my, is the way that it works. And yeah, yeah, like you're my hero. You're my girlfriend mm-hmm. and you're my slave. Like mm-hmm. I'm you're inferior to me. Mm-hmm. He pro- they probably look at him like, oh, man, he speaks so much truth because it like also preference. What if a guy likes that dynamic with a woman and they're like, mm, he's supporting my preference so I can say I'm right because this guy says it's right. And mm-hmm. he gets a lot of attention. So that's support for them to continue believing what they believe like. That's that's like not every a lot of women probably don't like that. Actually, a lot of women comment usually that are like, I don't like that. He's not speaking truth because like that's not it's it's the black and white. The black and white is so I'm always so skeptical. Yeah, he is very I've noticed a lot of what he has said is extremely it's very one way or the other. It's very polarizing. You know what I mean? And, you know, I will say this. I've heard a lot of like not just specifically how he talks about relationships but other things too i've heard him say you know he's the baseline raw substance of much of what he says isn't necessarily incorrect but it's very it's very black and white what he doesn't take into consideration is that there's a large shade of gray yeah yeah with what he says it's almost become like, you know, this this feminism versus toxic masculinity, you know what I mean? And they all just kind of like battle and they're trying to find, you know, their their footing in the world today when it's just kind of like too you much know, of one yeah. thing. Again, it's the too much of one thing. If you're too much on one side. It's never good. Yeah. They're in the middle ground. It's like I understand the point of feminism is to bring and, and shed light on on women's issues. And I'm a woman saying this like I am not a feminist for a reason, because I think a lot of people who support feminism use it as a method to attack men and to say yeah. that we don't need men and to say that men are just trash because A, B and C and to support an agenda. Again, someone using something that could have been good to weaponize against other people like yeah. Yeah. using that to support their bad behavior because there's a lot of women i went to the bookstore like four days ago there's a whole section dedicated to women who don't need men and i'm like i'm excuse me i'm sorry but my sexual preference is to be with men <laughs> so like i do actually need a man and um i don't need them to survive but like companionship's nice so they do have something to offer too. Like it's not like they're just walking around like nothing to offer. That stereotypical like, oh, all men are bad or like we don't need men. We could take care of ourselves. Like, yes, you could take care of yourself, but do you want to? Like, I don't want to be alone forever. I don't know about other people, but like, so them saying like projecting all that onto like women and, and there was a hat that was like, women read, men don't. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, who made this hat? Like, I know men who read like, <laughs> or the other, there was, there was another hat that was another shade. And it was like, um, it was like, uh, wait, is it something about like men being dumb and basically women reading? And that's why they're smart. Some little quirky quote thing. And then at the front of the bookstore, they had a bunch of like bumper sticker things that were like 
pro-femme, like... It's crazy. Just making fun of men or just, like, having some little thing to say about men that was so just disrespectful. Like, if a man came out with a section in the bookstore that said, like, women suck... People would be outraged. Oh my God, They'd be yeah. so outraged. Like, why, do, why are we not addressing the fact that, like, even when a woman attacks a man... It's wrong. Like yeah. a man attacking a woman is wrong, but same goes for the other way around. Mm-hmm. Like, what mm-hmm. is that? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And that's that's the thing. But that also goes back to like with men. It's like you're supposed to be tough enough to take it, though. Oh, gosh. You know, and that's the other thing, too, is yeah. like, you know, you're not like as a man, like, you know, I, I know what they say sometimes, like because I, I know this goes with women, too. They say, oh, a, you know. Uh, a woman shouldn't complain or something because like if you're complaining then you're seen as like the you know the overly emotional woman and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. but the same also in a sense goes for men because it's a little bit like as a man if you're complaining it can be taken as well dude you're just not tough enough like toughen up like what the hell's your problem yeah you know what i mean and so you're automatically seen as weak because you're complaining i gotta ask you both because it's not only just being promoted it's not only just being pushed but i've also just actually i i did read this online and there was data actually that pretty much did uh conclude and did support this which is that women not that not that all of them are necessarily because there are definitely some out there that are like man hating and man bashing all the time but there are also a great number of them i guess that feel that they don't necessarily need a man anymore kind of like there's this this quote going around on like tiktok when a man makes a good amount of money, like when he, after he graduates college, like gets a good mm-hmm. career, makes like hundred K a year, he goes, Oh, okay, cool. Like I can now, I can go find a woman. Now a woman comes out, does the same thing. She makes all this money and it becomes, Oh, well, I don't need a man anymore. Kind of yeah. like, you know what I mean? So, and, and it, it, it does seem to be that way. Like I notice, um, like my one friend who I went to college with good dude, he, his whole thing was he he was a physics PhD grad. He wanted to graduate as soon as he graduated, like in actually up until the point that he did graduate, all he talked about was, oh, well, you know, I'm going to work super hard and I just want to come out of college and I want to be making a hundred grand a year starting out. I was like, well, that's nice. I was like, money's nice. But I was like, why? Because he's not the type that's overly materialistic. I know him. He's, he's not. I was like, well, why? He goes, oh, well, because I want to be attractive to a girl. You know, I, I have to get a girl. And I, it, that was exactly my thought. I was sitting there shaking my head. I'm like, dude, like, no, like, you know what I mean? But, you know, yeah. I, I didn't want to offend him, though. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, try to, like, make him feel like I was shitting on him and his goals and, and stuff. But but that's the thing. Like, and I noticed, though, there are a lot of women out there who are like, they make good money. They, you know, do their thing and they're just kind of like, you know, they could care less. You know, they really could care less. It, it really seems that way today. I think because like previously it used to be like the man was the provider. The woman was home raising the kids. If she wants to leave that relationship, it's hard because you're dependent on this man and you can't you go out. You probably get like a small job. You're not going into a big career. Yeah. yeah. Now it's like women are more independent. They make more money. Um, they're educated, this and that. So it's like they don't they don't need the partner. And it's more, I feel like it's not that they don't need them. It's more like I can survive on my own. A partner's an option. Yeah. And, and that also goes back to one of the things I also read recently, and there does seem to be a lot of data that supports this, which is um, 
there was something I read recently that said that like 60 plus percent of all people on dating apps are men. And it's only like 30% women. Like literally there are like almost none. The other thing too is it it says that women today still, they want to marry up, not marry down. So they don't, like they will not date, most of them will not date a guy that makes less money than them, is less educated than them. The man has to be equal, if not actually even more, preferably more. The more he has both money-wise as well as education, uh, the more attractive he is. And it's really shrunk the dating pool, if you will, I guess in a sense for both sexes, because they say that like 80% of women are going for the top 10% of men. So, and then there's 90% of men that have only, only have access to like 20% of women. Yeah. So there's, there's like a huge disparity there. Like I said, I don't know how true it is, but from certain numbers and certain sample sizes that they did certain studies on. Yeah. That, that seems to be, um, you know, the, the, the consensus nowadays, but mm-hmm. it's like, like, I don't know, like, it's just, it's really strange. If That's you... so true. That's, I 1000% believe that. Yeah. Okay. My friends, um, some of them are single moms and they have like a job, but they will not go for a man that is, they need to have a lot of money. Yeah. They need to be educated. They need to have this and that to support them. Um, for women, you can do that. You don't have to have a lot. Um, for I'm guilty of this too, though. For I need someone who isn't equal to me. Um, I have my house. They need to have a house. They can't live at home. They This and that. Um, I don't do that now. But I was guilty of that for a while. I'm like, you need to have this, this, and this because I have this, this, and this. But that's not also, that's superficial. That's wrong. And, and I think at the end of the day, it's like... Uh, we miss the character underneath because we're so focused on these surface level things. Um, And on the flip side of that, men also don't like women who make more money than them because it feels like an inferiority. And I'm not saying that's all men. I'm saying just the stereotype is that men want to feel like they're the providers so that when it comes time to have a baby, you're going to be the one that stays at home to the woman, like to the woman. It's like, you're the one who stays at home with the baby because I have the better career and my money is needed more. Mm -hmm. Whereas like it is, it is abnormal to see like a man staying at home with the baby. And like, I get that not everybody wants kids too, but even in a dynamic where it's like they're just trying to coexist together, just be in a relationship, like the man feeling like he's the the breadwinner, like that's a real thing. Like it's an ego shot to a man. I think in today's NH stereotypically, when a woman makes more or is more successful or has whatever people like to classify the pa- like the power in the relationship, I think that they're it's like it's fluctuating like everybody goes through phases like sometimes one person holds it down better other times the other person holds it down better like it's always like people are trying to categorize like who's on top that's a real that's relationship the problem. yeah it works yeah like why is it a bad thing you want your partner to hold it down if you can't when you fall short you want them to help pick it back up like and that's part of i think why for women they look for men who can provide for them because if they fall short they want to know that their man catches them but on the on the same sense like it's like uh as a woman if you're hyper independent and you're like i got myself then like you'll be in a position to get yourself you shouldn't have to like look for a man who makes more and like can provide for you because like if no matter what happens, you can handle it. Like yeah. you shouldn't have to lean on them that much to the point where like you set your life up like that. When you go into it, 
as long as you have like yourself in line to say like I need this this and this and that's where I get my security from like I will 100% admit that like I will not give up a career mm-hmm. ever because of that fear if I'm with a man and I give up my career and then I leave um and then I'm stuck with nothing cuz like I have to start from scratch cuz my then my career um, history it means nothing. People are employers are looking for people with career experience. They don't want someone who's like stay at home mom. Like that's not it's ideal for a person yeah. who's running a business. Yeah. That's like it's like a realistic fear for a woman. And same for a man who would give up their career. But I think there's it's this is the the era of like you can work from home now. You can build a business yourself now. Like all these other avenues that you can go down to like make money even when you're at home, staying home with the kid. Like there's so many avenues for that. So I think that it then comes down to like the excuse of, well, I'm avoiding a relationship because I have all of these checklist items someone has to meet and nobody's going to meet it. Like, let's be honest. You could have a a running checklist of a hundred items and you will not find one person in this world that fits all of them ever. Yeah. Yeah. I've met a lot of men that are successful, but they're shitty people. Because they didn't have to. Okay, wait, this goes back to the, It's this is a funny joke. When they're like, oh, if you're a chubby kid, you you have a good personality when you're an adult because like you you had to you had to have a good personality because mm-hmm. you didn't have your looks to lean on. I don't agree with that 100%, but like it is, it's funny when you hear stuff like that because it's like, yeah, you don't, you had to be something better because you didn't have the shallow stuff to lean on. Like you yeah. had to build a deeper, uh, deeper self. And that's the same thing with successful people. Like you'll see two sides of it, like a successful person who's also like really, really put together and that's how they got their success or a successful person who maybe didn't have to do all that much to get it. But they're like, I have, I have all this stuff. So like whoever's in my life, it's an honor to have me. Cause like I have all this and you should yeah. be just glad to be in my presence. Like those people who think they walk on water, like that's, that's, Oh, I would take a poor man over a man like that any day. Because that, if as long as the guy had, you know, good personality and belief system. But you, it's crazy that people, like, I would rather choose someone with the better inside than the better outside. Because, yeah. like, when we're old and gray, the outside isn't really going to matter anymore. Like, I care about what's inside and what's in their heart. Yeah. And yeah. and it's the same thing with women, too. Like, they're, they're, I've seen a lot of women who are drop dead gorgeous and you know they i mean they get away with things like it's amazing it's like it's amazing what they can do it's amazing like what they can get away with as well that's pretty nice like it must be pretty nice to like you know if you're a good looking woman it's like it's not everything but it's like yeah like men who are wildly successful can have shitty personality same things like with women who are like drop dead gorgeous they can have shitty personalities you know too so it's like i think it's it's difficult though like i will speak on like so I'm, I'm not in a relationship. I'm just sort of dating. Um, I've been single for four going on five years now. So the, um, the, the people who date and look for these attractive women, that's all they expect though. Like, okay, no, no, I won't say everybody. I'm not, I I retract that. Not all men, but like from my experience, 95% of men, they're like, oh, I think you're super attractive right off the bat. Like they don't even really care to get to know what's on the inside. They don't ask me any questions about myself. They're always like targeting, like the compliments are always physically based. They're like, oh, you're gorgeous. Oh, you're beautiful. If I ask them like, hey, 
what's my middle name? They wouldn't know because they're so focused on like everything else, the exterior or like just, oh, go like look pretty. I don't really need to talk to you as long as you look pretty. Like let's go out on a date and we don't really need to talk as long as you just look at, like come and look pretty. It's an image thing. Yeah. yeah. And they like want to be seen with the attractive girl. So it's like, it's weird when you're on that side of it and you're like, ew, I want someone to recognize me from my insides. Like I, I have at times been like, maybe I should make myself look more unattractive before a date so that maybe they'll actually treat me like a person instead of like a shiny object to like show off to other people. One man had me go to uh, his his uncle's house, like second date. I'm like, oh, this is crazy. And he was like, I'll make sure you dress real nice and like look real nice because like I got to show you off. And I'm like, hold up. You're not even my boyfriend, first off. Second off. Am I just like a toy to you? Like, do I have to get dressed up and like show off to your family or like whoever? Because that's just, you care that much about looks. You don't even know who I am. Like, what it's if I'm a trash person? Cringy. Yeah. Yeah. I was just about like, to say so that. I would never say that. Like, first of all, that's just like, mm, no, you know what I mean? Like, I could just imagine the the disgusting backlash I would get from that. You know what I mean? If I ever said that to like, you know. Oh, I held my tongue. I still went. I still went because I was curious. It was more of an experiment for me at that point. I was like, let me observe as the outsider looking in to see what situation. And it's his whole family just showing off the house and all this other stuff. And I'm like, okay, so we're just materialistic people here. And now I see where it comes from. I was right, though. That was my theory, right? So I was like, oh, let me just figure it out. So I will say, so everything you just said, I like, cause as a guy, I know I'm just like, guys, like you, like you cannot, you cannot overvalidate a woman just because of how she looks like part of the reason why. And honestly, here's the thing. I will say this kind of going back to what I was talking about earlier and how women, they have such a large dating pool nowadays. And, you know, because they're on Instagram, they look good. You know, they can talk to guys from all over the world. They can get flown out from all over the world, whatever. They're very selective now. And there, there are a lot of guys out there. All they do is they moan and complain about, oh, it's so hard now. And it is hard. It is hard. For the average guy, it is very difficult to just find a woman just like that. For the average woman, no, definitely not. Nowhere near as difficult as it is for a man. But I will say this, though. Like, and I tell some of these guys and I, and I feel like telling the whole male species itself on the planet, just like guys, like all you care about is how good she looks. Like you will overvalidate her. You will pump her up so hard and so fast just based on like how good looking she is. And it's like, and that's why these women, like they think, they think like the things that they think. And you know, they, sometimes I guess they act the way that they act. It's because all these guys, all they do is they give them so much attention, you know, and it's like attention nowadays is currency. You know, they just, they give them so much attention. They do all these things. And it's like, if men nowadays just up their standards, you know what I mean? Like if men didn't just do everything for a girl, just totally based on how good she looks, it's like, okay, well then, you know, that might cause women to act a little bit better sometimes, or maybe do a little bit more. You know what I mean? Like maybe then like men as a whole wouldn't necessarily be suffering. Um, or the men that do have standards, maybe they would have an easier time dating, you know, because then the woman can't just sit there and kind of go, oh, well, you know, why do I need to date you? Like you have standards, but I don't actually need to date you. I can go find somebody that doesn't necessarily have like standards of me being a good person. I actually have expectations of a woman. So it's like, and cause as you said earlier, you were talking about how 
these guys, like they'll take you out and they're just like, Oh, like, I don't care. Like you just need to sit there. You just need to look pretty. You know, you don't even need to talk. Like they don't even know what your middle name is. They don't ask anything about you. Like for me, it's been really like, it's been difficult because sometimes I feel like if I go out on a date with a girl, that's almost what she just kind of expects. Like it's okay. It's, it's enough for her to just look good. And, but then eventually like I'll ask her certain things about herself and my expectations will kind of come out. Cause I actually do have expectations. I'll be like, well, yeah, like I'll expect you to do, blah, you know, X, Y, and Z, blah, blah, blah. And these aren't like nothing crazy. It's not like I'm out there. It's not like, I'm like, Hey, you need to be over at my apartment. You need to be X, Y, and Z. My place needs to be look spiff and spam. Like, no, but it's just like normal, ordinary expectations. Like I would not expect anything of her that I wouldn't that me myself wouldn't be ready to give out and, you know, expect of myself. But with some of these girls, it's just funny. It's like, they, they kind of sit there and they're just kind of like, you actually have expectations. Like you actually have like standards other than just how good I look like. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Like they don't outwardly say that really per se, but it's like, it's almost sort of like they're they're almost a little taken back by it a bit. Mm -hmm. You know, they're almost a little taken back by like the very fact that I actually do have standards. I'm like, no, like I do care about how you are as a person, you know? And it's like, cause if I'm actually going to spend time with you, I think that's part of the argument, like for like Andrew Tate and stuff or men having like a certain ego. Yeah. They just want like a woman to just be a woman. Like they don't have to have lots to offer. So I think some women have that in their heads. Like, I don't, I'm just me and I'm the prize and you're lucky to have me. And they won't have like a huge list of like, um, like goals or like something to offer. Not all women at all. And, you know, I will say this though, like, like I said, I don't blame women today entirely. And actually for the most part, I don't blame them really for how they are in that aspect when it comes to dating, because it just happens to have worked out in their favor, you know, like mm -hmm. if it worked out the other way for men, men wouldn't be complaining about it. Yeah. But, you know, one thing, like I said, is and it's quite true. Literally tomorrow they can go. All they have to do is look in their DMs and answer a DM, you know, answer, answer a DM to a guy who has been blowing them up, asking them out. All they have to do is say yes. All they have to do is look in the DM and just say yes. And they can literally have a date the very next day. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but, but that's the thing. Like, but you see, I, I will say this women in that regard are much smarter than men because men are just kind of like, Oh, you're a good looking girl. Okay. Yeah, sure. Like I'll take you out on a day. I'll do, and they'll give you, they'll give you the time of day. They'll do anything or not anything, but there are a lot of guys out there that'll sit there and just go, Oh yeah, sure. Like X, Y, and Z, whatever. Whereas women, women are a little bit like, mm, like, how does he look? You know, how does he pre present himself online? Did he say the right things? Should I even go on a date with this guy? And they might go on a date with him, but then like, you know, they're, women are much more selective and, you know, they, they're just kind of like, OK, like, whereas, like I said, men are just bottom line. Men are dumb when it comes to that, because men will literally just think with one head and that's it. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, <sighs> you know what yeah. I mean? And it, 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 can, it can be frustrating sometimes because sometimes, too, like there were moments that I had with women in the past when things got a little like maybe we were arguing out in public and it's funny, like she's sitting there, she's moaning and complaining about things. Eh, and then I would sit there and I'm like, well, if you just X, Y, and Z, like, and I go back at her. And it's funny, like sometimes that, like there were like guys that would sometimes like, you know, not totally come around, but they, they come around in some sense and they, they, they'd be like, dude, like, 
you know, she, she's so hot, blah, 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 blah. Like, why are you treating her like that? I'm just like, and I look at her, I'm like, dude, shut the fuck up. Like, you know what I mean? I'm just like, you, you like, you're, you're not part of this. You have no idea what's going yeah. on. Like it and everything, but they, they're the types they'd all sit there and they, they would, they would probably justify everything that she did just because she's hot, you know? And that's the thing. I'm just kind of like, so yeah, I know I'm going off on a tangent. I'm kind of going off on a ramp, but yeah, I agree, but it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, and I think it's, it's tough though. Cause, um, <laughs> the stereotype for women then is like, oh yeah, you just look pretty. As long as you look good, everything's good. The women who are actually good looking that are looking for quality people, the pool is small yes. for men because there are a lot of men out there who are like, oh, she's too much because she talks. Oh, she's got too much of a personality. I've been told by multiple men that I have too strong of a personality and that they're used to being the person who talks more. So they don't want to be with me because they're used to a woman who's just like more of a listener and doesn't actually contribute to conversation. So it was like too much that I contribute to conversation or have thoughts or have feelings that like actually are intelligent. Yeah. It's like and just, just having a body with you. Just yeah. like someone that like is just a companion. Not, just nod and like, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, you're so smart. And I like everything you have to say. Or it's like the entitlement factor. When you meet like a guy and you're out on a date and you're like, oh, this is not going to work. Not compatible, not working. And then you try to let him down easy. And then they're like, how could you waste my time? It's a first date. I couldn't waste your time. Oh, yeah. How mm. am I going to waste your time? It was one date. We literally just <clears throat> met each other online. Like we just talked for a couple of days before we went on a date. I did not waste your time and I don't owe you anything. Like I'm being honest here saying like I'm not compatible with you, not just for me, but for you, because like I'm not going to work for you. Mm -hmm. I don't just evaluate it on what I want. If I feel like they're talking and they're saying I like A, B, C, D, all this stuff, and I'm like, ooh, that does not mesh well with me. Yeah. I'm not going to like straight up sit there and be like, all the stuff that you just listed, I'm not like, I'm not about that. I'm not going to be the girl that you want me to be. So we should part ways. I try to be a little bit more subtle about it and like be respectful and say, like I'll even say positives. I'll be like, hey, you know, really appreciate your personality. Like you, you're, you know, this, this and this. Tell them like positive attributes and then tell them, you know, I just don't think we're for each other. I've been called every name in the book. It's like a Ouch. hit to their ego. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, it is a yes. hit to the ego. Yeah, it is a bit. Because you know. it's like they expect that just because I went on a date with them that they deserve something from me. I'm like, and not, and I'm not just talking about sex. I'm talking about like that. I just continue to see them just because it's like I should be having to go on more dates with them just out of the fact that we went on one singular date, yeah. like, and and the and like being honest. But I will say that there are a lot of people out there too who receive rejection well. I'm just, it's it's this this generation of people. It, everybody's so used to like. Uh, attention all the time that they're like once they don't get what they want or like they feel a little bit of rejection they're like ew there's something wrong with you or like they'll be like oh I didn't like you anyway yeah they're like insulting oh, yeah, yeah that, they're like oh I was I, I didn't actually like you anyway I didn't even want to go on a date with you okay well that's fine you know I just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that 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 to me is funny because I'm like everybody is like trying to be the re the person who rejects first rather than being the rejected person. And if you date like that, like you're constantly trying to be like the one who's like on top, like you have the power and you have the control. You can't build a relationship like that because like, what are you going to do with that? Like you're both going to try to like leave the other one first. So it's a place of like, you're already expecting the end. Or it's like, it's like being soft or being like loving or being like, 
showing your love for someone is looked down on because it's like, oh, well, I don't feel anything. Because so you're like, vulnerable. You're being yeah. vulnerable towards mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. It's like, you can it's like looked at as a weakness or something. Whereas like everybody's trying to be like the more prideful person. Like they just want to be like, I don't have any feelings. You could never affect me. Like I'm good. I don't need you. Those things like dragging it into like a dating situation is crazy. crazy. I was very guilty of that. I won't lie. I really was. I've been guilty of that in the past. And, you know, it's almost like this, this, uh, yeah, this, the contest of like, oh, I don't feel as much as you. You're more emotionally invested and you're this and you're that and you're this. And it's like, yeah, it, it all links back to like toxicity and some of that mm-hmm. other crap that goes on. But like, I realize that now after some of this time and I'm kind of like, I, I guess I got past that for the most part because I, I will say I kind of let my ego get in the way of certain things when I was just kind of casually dating some girls just over like the past year or so. It got to the point where I was like, not that I was mean or blew up on them, but I was like, they weren't overly communicative. So I just wasn't overly communicative. It was almost like this, like, okay, let's see who who can like not communicate the longest. And it got to the point where I was just kind of like, you know, like this is like, this is dumb. It, it really is. So then I was talking to my friend about it. And my friend was kind of like, you know, dude, honestly, the better, the best way to handle this is just to just put it out plainly. You know, it's just how you feel and just see if they're about it. They're not been cool like you know where you're staying just you know be done with it and that's exactly what i did and it was just done like there didn't need to be any more of this you know uh, like you know like you you know you didn't do this or you know any or i feel this way or and i'm just i'm gonna try to make it seem like i don't care about you as much like i just i put that all to the side and it was so much easier it really was it was just and it's difficult it really is you know It, it just it really is difficult like for i think you know, your primal or just like your instinct on the inside is not to be overly emotional or seem needy for both sexes, you know, because you don't want to seem like the needy girlfriend. You also don't want to seem like the needy guy because the needy guy, just like, you know, the girls in my experience and from what I've been told, girls are just like, like, goodbye. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's where... um definitely the anxious avoidant attachment style that I was talking about earlier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 1000%. Like if you don't come in it with a ser- secure attachment, if you encounter someone who has a secure attachment, they'll leave 1000%. I, I can admittedly say that for myself. 1000%. I built myself up to this point to have a secure attachment for a reason. I'm not going to give, I'm not going to give that up and get out of character to try to mesh with someone who has an anxious attachment. So the overly needy or avoidant, the, pushes me away. I don't have time for it because like, I'm not going to be in that dynamic. I can't because then you sacrifice yourself. Like you have to play the game of anxious avoidant. You're one of the roles. Like that's part of the dynamic. That's why they're attracted to each other because like one puts all the effort in and the other person just runs away and puts nothing into it. And the other person so needs so much you know, love that like they just won't leave. They just like they try so hard to and that's I I I was the anxiously attached in previous relationships and I was the avoidantly attached. So I know what it's like to be on both sides. And I recognize that pattern when someone is showing it to me. And I I'm I don't call people out on their stuff, but like if you're aware enough and you grow enough, like what we talked about earlier, you can't make someone else grow. Like that's on their terms. I can I can maybe point like something specific out, but if it's like a fundamental thing, mm-hmm. I can't fix that. 
And if that's not something that they're working on, then like there is no place for me to like continue. Not everyone is aware of what that is. Exactly. That's like a new thing. Yeah, that's like, oh, it's just been like newly talked about. Mm -hmm. The the attachment style that's rooted in your childhood. Like what you were, what literally when you were an infant, it could could start at infancy. The whole cry it out method, like being left in a room by yourself. That's so mean. That's where it's funny. they, They had that like, anxiously attached how the kid responded the avoidantly attached person like the person who would eventually become avoidantly attached left in a room to cry by themselves would learn to comfort themselves suck their thumb play with something in the crib okay so that they were they didn't care that the provider wasn't there the anxiously attached when left to cry alone in the room would just not give up the crying and would just be screaming for hours and hours and hours because they thought that that person was never going to come back one reacted one way, the other one reacted the other way. So it's like you can see how that self-soothing person is like, I don't need anybody. I'm good on my own. Mm-hmm. And the person who's like, they're never coming back, abandonment wounds. Like they don't think that they think everyone's always going to leave them. They're so like normally everybody who becomes an adult has an attachment wound, whether or not they experience like massive trauma. Like it just is what it is. But it's our jobs to fix it. Yeah. Because we can't project that onto other people. That's not their weight to carry. Like, you can show up for someone and be like, hey, you know what? You kind of, like, when you do this, it kind of pushes me away. Or when you do this, uh, you know, it makes me think that you don't really care about me. Like, you can say those things. But the attachment style, like, fixing the wound, that's not, that's deeply rooted. That is so deeply rooted. Yeah, that's like a that's a personal growth thing at that point. There's no way a relationship can mend that. Yeah, and I've only heard about it like this last year. Really? Like doing digging. Yes. Like yeah. when I was purposely looking for like answers and I was like, "Oh, that's what that is." Yep. Yep. It's like it yeah, it's literally a balance beam. Like it's so it's crazy to think that there are people in relationships to this day. Majority of relationships are people in an unhealthy attachment style dynamic. And that's where it is, the stereotype of woman needs man. Man carries all the weight so the woman doesn't have to do a thing, but she's reliant on him forever. So then the man would be stereotypically avoidant and the woman would be stereotypically anxiously attached. They serve their purpose because they balance each other out. They're two extremes. Two extremes, that's like, it's it's not healthy. But But if you take two securely attached people, now that's a real relationship. That's where you find like people who actually stay together for life that are like, they build each other, they like grow with each other. They have, they just know, you know, that they they have each other's back in like a different way. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like some people don't see it as like normal relationships are boring. Oh, yes. Like they're calm. It's like peace, but that's so weird to you because there's nothing going on. You're used to having a fight, fighting over dinner, whatever it is. And it's like, oh, like you're not mad. You're not raising well, your voice. Well, why are you at me? mad at me? Yeah. Like, it's so strange to people. Yeah. And and some people stir it up just to like get the reaction. Like, yeah, like I've been guilty of that too. Mm-hmm. I was like, I found myself wanting a man to yell at me because I was like, <laughs> I, like yeah, because I was like, why are you not yelling at me? Can I irritate him enough to get him to yell at me? Oh, you Crazy. That sounds so toxic. To and it was because I was like, that's what I was used to. I w- and I was used to like, somebody being mean to me and telling me mean things so i was like let me try to like poke the bear and get that like side of them to come out now i will say 
that is a it's a bad thing to do but (laughs) if you put enough pressure on someone you do see like a true self underneath and like uh so for like early stages of a relationship with someone like you have a turbulent situation you'll see a real side of them that's like underneath that could come out later on and it might be too late at that point that's a real reality like can they control their anger that's huge for both sexes both women and men if you can't control your anger it's i i i only i have only really um from my experience it's it only ends toxically like there's no way if you can't control your own emotion then there's no way a relationship's gonna flourish in like a healthy way yeah and so it's like knowing yourself like when i get mad i just need to be by myself for a while yep and then i'll come back and be like oh like it's not that serious after you have a chance to calm down everybody's response is different but like imagine if like you're like i gotta take a second to like step away and someone's like no you gotta stay here and work it out with me and you're if you feel cornered right yeah imagine how that would play out like that's why it's like someone who respects like what you need to like that's so important for a relationship like they might not be their preference but if they can respect it because you could be like i need to take a second and they'll be like i need to talk about it now okay i'll come back to you in like 15 minutes but you got to give me my space can they hold space for you i don't know if they can't then that's not respecting your boundaries like boundaries are another thing that like people talk about now more than ever you set the platform for the relationship with your boundaries if you let them slide one time for a boundary that you set they're gonna think they can get away with it forever like Mm -hmm. that's a real thing same with a kid you let them get away with it they're gonna keep doing it like there has to be consequence for stuff whether it's like having a conversation it doesn't need to be like oh i'm gonna hit you on the hand because you did something bad like it could just literally be like hey that's not cool with me if it keeps happening like we're gonna have an issue because that's a real that's crossing the line for me I think with kids, it's it's good to communicate with them. Yes. Have like a real conversation. 1,000%. Like they understand way more than we think. Like they might not be able to, they can understand more before they can talk. So yeah. it's like. They're like sponges. Yeah. Like I have conversations, adult conversations with my son all the time. I'm like, all right, let's pick apart how you feel right now. I might be mad in this situation. Like he could do something like completely irrational and crazy, like go to hit me or something. And I'm like, what made you want to do that? I'm not hurt by any means, but I don't want him to think that he can do that to somebody else. So like breaking it down, it's the same things with adults. Like people who don't know, I guess people who are emotionally immature, which that's not a bad thing. They might just not have learned enough, but like for people who are emotionally immature, like you have to help them identify an emotion and like be able to like realize like, okay, this emotion does this to me. This is how I like combat that. This is how I don't like I, I'm not reactive to that. Like I do this, this, and this, and and then I communicate instead. Like I take myself out of it, and then I communicate instead. The expectation for kids is that they're going to mess up. They're their kid, but when you're an adult, no, we don't like that. They were grown adults now. Like that's emotional development. Like emotional maturity has to come at some point. Yeah, and and that's just the thing. You know, there's emotional intelligence, and there's what. Uh, just IQ. There's normal IQ and then there's EQ, I think. Uh, yeah, and, it's very polaring, polar opposite things because yeah. you could have someone who's very high on IQ and has no knowledge yeah. whatsoever on EQ. Yeah, exactly. Vice like, versa. And I heard a uh, a story one time. There was like 
this lady, she graduated Harvard and she applied for like three or four different jobs, couldn't get a single job. So she actually went into like her, the previous place that she tried to like uh, apply for a job for. And she actually went in there and apparently had a gun and was like trying to like shoot people. Like yeah. that's the thing. Like she couldn't handle it. Yeah. And I'm just saying, I'm like, but yeah, there's some people out there. They, they really, they can't handle it. Like, or they can't, they can't put their emotions in check. They have no EQ by by any means yeah and it's funny because going back to one of the things that you said was i found myself i was doing that in the beginning that i did the opposite eventually which was i was the type like i don't like uncertainty nobody likes uncertainty i especially really struggle with uncertainty and i really like if i had an issue with somebody like my ex or something or any one of my relationships i always wanted to like solve the problem like right then and there and for a while, it's like, and some people, they're just not like that. They're just not, they, they need their time to just sit and to just kind of like simmer in their own thoughts, their own thing, and then clear themselves out and then come back to you afterwards and then like talk. Well, I was the type that just persisted. And then eventually I switched. I became the one that was a little bit like that person was always coming to me and they're just like bombarding me with, with all this crap, whether it's over text or in person, I'm kind of like, I will talk to you about this eventually when I'm ready. I'm not ready to talk to you about this now. So yeah. Yeah. Roles yeah. reversed. Yeah. 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 It's just, it's weird after time, like how it's, it's for me, it changed. I want to wrap it up with just like, I guess one thing, like what, do you guys have any predictions, I guess, as to like what the future probably holds? I guess maybe for society as a whole and then maybe between like men and women. I think it's a positive direction for women, um, for the world as a whole. Um, I think it's more, we're more knowledgeable like with our emotions. Um, things are being talked about more that they weren't like years ago. So I think we are moving in a good direction, but also like things like, we're more superficial, like with money, careers, such like that. So I think it's kind of like one might cancel out the other. One might like increase over time. Yeah, I agree with the superficial drive. I think because we're so in touch with social media the way mm -hmm. that we are. Um, I don't know a person in the world who doesn't have a social media platform. And I have hope, though, that because of that, that what we were talking about earlier, that my prediction is that people will become more knowledgeable. They will discover information that hopefully leads them to want to heal and grow and become better people. But you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. So that's my hope is more than anything. I think that people want to care more about each other than just themselves. Yeah. I think we're more accepting of people like when I was getting out of the military, we were doing like transitions for trans people being accepted and how we have to treat them fair, this and that. They're doing all these PT standards. So I think we're moving in a good direction. Um, what will happen, I'm not really sure because I, I know like there's hate crimes and stuff like that or people not accepting because of their religion, whatever it is. But I think we're moving forward. I think we'll have battles still, of course, but we are, we're making progress. Right. So do you guys want to uh, share your, your Instagram's uh, social media? So my Instagram is Cindy with two Y's Fox, just regular animal Fox. And then of course, but I'm, I'm more based on my, my TikTok talks with Fox. Um, that's where I 
hang out for the most part. I like that. I, Fox I wasn't sure if it was corny or if it was catchy. I just ran with it when I first made the page. It was it was just a uh, it's, random. It's good. Random decision. Yeah. yeah. Um, my Instagram is a l l i e e underscore the agent. Yeah. So Allie the agent. Mm-hmm. Thank you both again. Thank and, you. Um, yeah. Thank you for having me. And then hopefully at some point in the future, maybe whether it's like a year from now or something, we can all kind of reconvene and talk about whatever new went on in our lives or, you know, also whatever's new at that time, because there will probably be a ton of new things. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you. Thank you.